One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The following is a presentation of the Four Center Podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast Feed, and this episode of the Force Center Podcast Feed is the Book of Boba Fett Report. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Cat Napsuck. So happy to be here. So excited. New Star Wars. What fun. Yeah, new Star Wars on our screens and everything. I'm very excited. I also do have to acknowledge that, Ken, we've been doing lots of uh, review shows over the years, and we just started calling them Report, because that makes sense. The Mandalorian Report, Clone Wars Report, Bad Batch Report. And then suddenly uh, we have a show called Book of Boba Fett, and it's Book of Boba Fett Report, (laughs) (laughs) which uh, takes me back to my formative years of getting extra credit for writing book reports. Yeah, it is. I feel like I'm in ninth grade English. Shout out to the late great Mr. Greg Denike, my teacher, who first told me to pursue some sort of uh, writing career. I didn't follow that advice, but um, <laughs> happy to be here. Yeah, I guess you, we could have said the report of Boba Fett, but that just that just seems like he's been called to the principal's office, and I don't like that. Yeah, the report of Boba Fett sounds like one of his blasters actually backfired or something. <laughs> 
or yeah. something worse. Uh, and also, uh, we should indeed note that the way the word book is being used in this title, I don't think it literally means <laughs> Boba Fett's going to do some reading or some writing. I don't think this is, the, you know, the journal thoughts of Boba Fett, although that's kind of thematically appropriate. Yeah. Uh, I think it is more this is the part of the large story that is the tale of Boba Fett. Absolutely. Absolutely. Though, again, if at the end of this, he closes the book like Bilbo Baggins and says, I finished my story, I'm OK. <laughs> there and back again with knee darts. I would be more than happy with yes. that. Okay. All right. We are going to dive in. This is, of course, the first episode of the book of Boba Fett. We always like to report, you know, what we're actually talking about. Episode one is called Stranger in a Strange Land. It is written by John Favreau and directed by Robert Rodriguez. It is about 36 minutes of actual content. <laughs> 38 if you watch all of the credits. So, Ken, I want to really... um just start with that. Did how did you feel about the length? Did you check the length before you watched the the lengths of the uh, the mm -hmm. shows on streaming? Can vary, and particularly uh, with the Mandalorian. Yeah, I did. Uh, I had a, a moment um, where I had it queued up. Uh, you know, had the thumbnail up on Disney Plus and saw the the thirty nine minutes. Which yeah, you're right, account for for credits. And I was like, that's a, that's a good length. I'm happy with that one. I, we <laughs> talked even off air uh, this week but during our recording sessions of you know I'd be okay with like a forty five minute show, but also I enjoy uh, I enjoy getting to the point and I enjoy sleep. So uh, for us on the West Coast, we we stay up late. A lot of people were getting up early around the country and the world, but for us, we're staying up late. And I'm an old man like Boba Fett now, so I enjoy a good back-to-sleep uh, back tank. Yeah, a nice, a nice back-to-pod, as he calls it. Yeah, my wife asked me, um, she did not stay up until midnight with me. Uh, we're going to watch it uh, together tonight. And she's like, how long is the episode? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> it's almost a torture. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of went in going, I don't want to look. And I was like, I do. I, I want to have kind of a sense of where are we in the episode, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so I did look at the length, and yeah, and I'm I'm happy with the uh, the length of yeah. the episode, but it's more important the actual content of the episode than the length. But I think for me, it can just uh, my my brain can really get going on structure. So kind of having like almost an internal clock of where are we in the episode helps me enjoy it more. Yeah, absolutely, I'm with you. So uh, you did indeed stay up until midnight. I want to set the scene a little bit because I think a, a part of the experience that you know we're sharing with, with listeners is not just talking about the ideas of the show and the fun moments of the show, but also just the experience of being a fan in this ritual that really started with Mandalorian. Did you stay up until midnight? Did you do anything special to prepare? Uh, I did. And it's so funny. And for, a lot of people might be relatively new listening to Force Center. These kind of shows, these kind of review shows will bring in uh, new ears. And we're about to dive in deep. We're about to go into themes. This isn't a thumbs up, thumbs down kind of spot. Uh, <laughs> we, we love to engage with the stories and, and find out what's there for us. So before we get too, too deep down the path, it's good to say, yeah, we're absolutely just giddy fans. And yesterday you and I did some recording um, with our Clone Wars report episode that's going to come out later in the week, which, by the way, has some parallels i might mention uh, the return of maul and essentially the return of boba fett yeah interesting interesting uh, week to be discussing both um we finished our recording and i went out and normally it's you know i get a lunch and start to go back to do work on other things but i was kind of giddy and nervous and joking and and grace my, my fiance my partner was like you you're you're weird. Your mood's weird. It's like chipper. <laughs> normally i'm a grump normally i'm luke on october before ray comes and saves him there um and finally, about an hour in, because I was still singing a weird song to our chihuahua, and she goes, I think you're excited because Boba Fett's tonight. <laughs> I 
And I went, you know what? You're right. It's new Star Wars. And what a blessing every time, whether or not you fully are going to love it, fully engage with it. You, you can deal with all that later. The, the thrill of new Star Wars is something that drives me. And so, yes, um, I did a little Twitch streaming, played the MLB the show, had a late dinner. Uh, and, uh, you know, I generally, I generally do stay up till about midnight or one, but it's, I'm usually powering down. I'm like uncle Owen, Luke, I'm going to shut down the power. <laughs> um, but I was excited, fully awake, fully focused and really, uh, Grace and I sat down to watch it. We both had it just a great time being star Wars fans. Oh, that is great. Yeah. I had a similar experience where my wife was very, very aware that it is Boba Fett day and she was very happy for me. <laughs> you know, when she got home from work, you know, uh, checked in and like, are you excited? Uh, she actually got me a Boba Fett t-shirt uh, for the holidays. So like I, you know, I wore a different shirt during the day, but then as it became evening, it's like, I think it's time. Think I'm going to put on my Boba Fett shirt that you got me. <laughs> uh, so I really, you know, did get all the way engaged. Uh, she's got to get up early for work, so Sarah went to bed. But then I, I, I remembered that I, I, I forgot that I kind of had this ritual of like I, I, I want to like tweet one last thing before watching. And I usually like to try to take a picture. So I had some fun uh, doing a little photo shoot with my uh, vintage Empire Strikes Back uh, Boba Fett. So it's got that classic mm. uh image of him that was you know not actually even from a movie it's just a you know part of it is like looks totally airbrushed of the the yeah. flame shooting out and i just love that image and uh made myself a nice little whiskey drink and i opened the freezer and forgot that many moons ago my wife had got a bunch of star wars shaped uh ice cube makers and yeah. one is just a uh, boba fett's helmet how <laughs> oh. oh perfect the force finds a way yes Yep, so I was uh, sipping some uh, whiskey with some Boba Fett uh, ice head in it, uh, took some pictures of my action figure, and then this is this is so silly, but it is a ritual I like. Uh, I turned the Boba Fett action figure around so it could watch the show, too. <laughs> Look, I get that. I get that. As someone who, in the sixth grade, packed up all his stuffed animals and talked to each one of them individually and said, you're going on a vacation that you're not coming back from, I understand in inanimate objects seeing the TVs. That, that's what it is. It is the legacy of the stuffed animals. Because, yes. yes, the stuffed animals went on adventures with me. I've talked about how my teddy bear chocolate used to uh, play the Star Wars Escape from the Death Star board game with me. Uh, and often won, which was uh, felt shameful. But anyway, uh, that was my good midnight experience. I'm glad you had one, too. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Again, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, because I think that's the thing is just keep in your mind. We're going to talk about uh, what we liked, what we didn't, uh, what we uh, struggled with, uh, what we really thought this was about, all those great things, uh, but also just want to celebrate that this is a great time to be a Star Wars fan because there was Star Wars on our screens, which is awesome. So let's get into the big picture. What was your overall reaction? Did you love it, like it, struggle with it? Where are you at with your big picture reaction? All right. If you're relatively new, we're going to say something and say it a lot. If you've uh, been listening to Force Center for a while, we're going to say something and we're going to say it a lot. Say it with me, folks. Tone poem. Tone <laughs> poem. Uh, this is the first piece of a bigger puzzle, clearly. Uh, it's not some great insight there. And I think I'm more cu uh, clued into that now. Talk a little bit more about Johnny Fav's style, what Robert Rodriguez brought to that. Uh, brought to that. But, yeah, uh, big picture, really absolutely love my experience with it, especially on second viewing. It is dripping with themes. It's dripping with themes and questions for you to ponder. And I love that it's the start of a conversation. Uh, and we don't have all the answers. Boba Fett doesn't have all the answers. And I, I really became uh, apparent uh, with me in the second viewing, but just had a lot of fun. That, that word's going to be tossed around. I don't have any problem tossing that word around a lot. 
Um, but uh, did love it. Um, anything that uh, can go deeper into struggles, but very clearly, um, you know, this is not unlike the Mando pilot episode. And, you know, just even thinking back to the visit to the armor, taking us to the past of, 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 of Mando, Din Djarin, and, mm. and And this episode has a, a very similar format. If this is, we always talk about music here in Force Center. If this, if this is the band that we love, the Johnny Favreau Star Wars band, it's the <laughs> same track. That's, it's, a, it's like, yeah, you got it. It's a banger. We got it. Johnny Favreau's got a new Star Wars album. And it's kind of <laughs> similar. And you want it to be similar as it takes you different spots. And this does a lot of different things and asks different questions. So same format. I did think about that a lot, except instead of the surprise of the child to change Din at the end, I think Boba has the surprise of his life and he's going to change that. And, and that was kind of where it all kind of the big picture for me and my excitement and enjoyment for, for what I got. Yeah, I think that is all very well said. I think this is a, a banger track to start off uh, an album, a concept album. This is a Welcome to the Jungle of Boba Fett's Mind. There you go. <laughs> uh, I really, really loved it for lots of reasons. I think like the big picture, we'll get into all the, the conceptual details, but I feel like it did such a great job of starting it off right away with framing it about this is a show about who Boba Fett is who he was, what he fears, what he wants, how he's going to uh, define victory for himself. How is he going to reclaim or change his identity? You know, as a long-term prequel fan and somebody who really wanted Boba Fett to come back so he could have fun with the, you know, unstoppable, dangerous man of mystery and the wounded orphan from the prequels. I so love that it started with like, yep, that's who this man is. That That is so so essential to his identity. Mm. Uh, more thoughts and details on, you know, the actual meanings of those images. But I was so excited to see it start with the flashback to Camino and Geonosis. Yeah. Um, yeah, can I, can, I, can I just say, I, that particular moment, talking about the big picture in our experience, I had one of those uh, almost wish I was on the couch with you moment. <laughs> it's been big, it's, it's big for me too, but you, you, you've been talking about that a lot. And to start with that, to start with the images of Camino, to have Johnny Favreau go, wait, I, I got I to gotta put in the prequel stuff, right? Okay, okay. And to, to really start there, I, I we always try to keep it clean here for uh, Apple iTunes ratings here, but I went, <laughs> I went to myself, I went, F, yeah. Right, yes. we saw Daniel Logan pop up in the, in the flashback to attack the clothes. Absolutely, because yes, that, it is a thing we've talked about a lot. That that John Favreau in in interviews, you know, that he is coming at it from the perspective of somebody who grew up with the original trilogy, grew up with Boba Fett as the uh, badass man of mystery, and then a lot of other ideas came in, and and you can see in all those behind the scenes conversations between Favreau and Filoni, where mm-hmm. where Favreau wants to explore the ideas that spoke to him as a kid, and and take that tip of the iceberg of like this idea was intriguing i want to learn more and then clearly feloni being a, a master of and, and respecter of everything prequel era will go but here's this other idea and i think it is the merging of those two is of, of like what exists and what can we grow out of what exists instead of going we like this part we don't like this part it's bringing it all together and going what is cool about all of it how can we make it all a, not a original trilogy idea of Boba Fett versus a prequel versus EU. It's like, bring it all together and, and make it work. Mm. Everyone invited to the table here. Let's have a party. Yeah, exactly. So a couple other things I liked about it. I, I just thought it had a little bit flavor wise of everything I love about Star Wars. There was absolutely kind of a uh, mythic depth. There was some cool action. There was a sense of uh, fun and whimsy at points as well. Uh, there was this great sense of the old and new from me as a Star Wars fan, I don't know if everybody got that, but the fact that 
this had some images that I have literally wanted to see since 1983. Right. You know, it's been written about, it's been represented in other ways, but to see live on screen, the hand of Fett bursting from the dune, I have literally been dreaming about that (laughs) for the vast majority of my life. So there's some like real old, like I've been wanting it. This is classic. And then I felt like so much of what was going on in, on, in this show, this first episode is flipping the script on Boba Fett of like, you expect him to be the unstoppable badass. Well, we're really going to examine that, you know? And we're going to, in fact, use the perception that you have of Boba Fett to uh, challenge your perception of Boba Fett and uh, see him as a human. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're going to dive in. Sorry, but I, I love this. Uh, you really uh, fired me up here because I put some, I put this idea down of escape isn't enough. And this mm. idea of you burst through and it's like Boba Fett versus you're right. And, and, and for our, for our generation, we, we try to approach it uh, with a wide perspective, but we are who we are. We're, original trilogy era kids uh and i was talking texting with alex damon i go i like since 83 and i lived in i grew up in pismo beach i was playing on the sand dunes going how how could fett get out of here and and see it but then it's like yeah he escaped but that is not enough that it's almost just the beginning there's literally images of the empty palace that i grew up with uh jabba's palace and it's like that that that's there that past but it's empty let's fill it up again let's rebuild it with something new that really jumped out to me right from the beginning yeah, absolutely. So many images like that that are the old and the new. For me, it is not nostalgia. It is this is the same place, but it's a different time. There are different needs and wants and perceptions. So let's, you know, reexamine it. And that's so, so great for me. Um, another big picture thing I like that I wanted to be sure to mention at the top is I really enjoyed the long stretches of uh, no dialogue, uh, slower tempo. Um I feel like sometimes uh, uh, as audiences, we, especially in something in Star Wars that we love speculating about, which I absolutely love. I love going, who's going to show up? What's going to happen next? Uh, You know, what's the conflict going to be? So you can get into a mindset of not even story, but plot, just literal mechanics of what happens next, right? Mm. And if you have a really short shot of uh, Boba Fett (laughs) in his acid stomach acid burned white jumper being dragged through the desert by Tuscan Raiders on Banthas. If you had a shot of that real quick, you'd be like, yes, that's what happened. Okay. What happens next? Mm-hmm. But by staying with it for so long and literally going to uh, Boba Fett's point of view, it makes you feel it. And I just loved how much time was taken to make this, uh, not a race between events, between plot beats, but to make you feel what Boba Fett is feeling. Yeah. So there's something in that, too, of, uh, you know, getting familiar with the, the John Favreau style and now Robert Rodriguez directing it. And we're going to see some other directors come in here as well. And yes, with what Filoni does with the, uh, the a lot of the lore and the themes, all that stuff, too. But I've come to really appreciate that again. I, I struggle with Mando at times early season one. And, and I think the, the, the story of the week and everything. And it's, now I trust where John Favreau and his team wants to take these stories. I, I hope Kenobi might be a little different. I'm looking forward to Andor, which might have a little different pacing and momentum and tensions. But I love, you know, that's why we we joke, but we keep going back to this tone poem thing. I love the room to breathe. This isn't an overwritten Aaron Sorkin stuff. And I love Sorkin stuff, by the way. I love a good walk and talk. You want to walk and talk? 
go for it. A little Whatever. dragon talk. What if what if uh, what if Boba Fett was just chattering away about his uh, policy plans while being yeah. dragged by yeah. the Tusken Raiders? The world knows I am a giant Game of Thrones fan, and I love the rich dialogue and the complications, and the, 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 and I love an hour of just a ton of things thrown at you. But I love having the room to breathe with these particular Star Wars stories. That is working for me. It might not work for everybody. We understand that, uh, especially if you're relatively new to us. We are we are talking about our interpretations and what we take from it, especially when we get into themes. But the style is not necessarily for everyone. I understand it, but it's a very Star Wars style. I think Favreau uh, and team and Robert Rodriguez, let's give everyone a credit that we can. Kim Richards, associate producer now, by the way, on this thing. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a 1930 serial. There's a, and, and Ray Harryhausen, I was expecting Harry Hamlin to pop up at one point. <laughs> the Titans vibes. Like it's all there. It's all, all in that sandbox. And uh, I really love those choices up top. Yeah, I think it is them, uh, that whole creative team speaking as artists and as fans of what spoke to them in Star Wars. And a part of that power of Star Wars is absolutely there can be long monologues. And I'm expecting some to pop up in this uh, in this story or long exposition scenes that is a part of Star Wars. But a lot of what is compelling about Star Wars is precise, minimal dialogue and vast swaths of the story being told by just the emotion of the visuals. Mm hmm. And I think that was really, really present here. Uh, one thing I want to talk about in our overall reaction before we dive into the real specific uh, thematic ideas is um, a lot of us here in the uh, Star Wars discussion world, a lot of people in the fan world, uh, were really excited by all of the the short 30-minute to one-minute clips, the trailers. Uh, it looked like all the scenes were kind of related. And then uh, relatively recently, there was an interview with uh, Robert Rodriguez who said, hey, they're holding so much stuff back in the trailers. All the trailer stuff is really just the first half of the first episode. Mm -hmm. And uh, you and I were certainly involved in this in our discussions on on Force Center where we really took that verbatim mm -hmm. and said, great. And uh, when I was watching and I started to realize the way the story was unfolding and moving of like, oh, that is a misinterpretation, an exaggeration, whatever. No blame to Robert Rodriguez. He's just given an interview. I don't think he's personally cutting every trailer and, <laughs> and monitoring. I think he was talking in the spirit of it. So no uh, insults or criticism of Robert Rodriguez. I yeah. think uh, definitely, uh, uh, to me, it was a cautionary tale of I normally try to take what uh, actors, writers, directors uh, say with a grain of salt because they're coming at the process from this inside way, not necessarily looking at it the same way uh, we are devouring every trailer and analyzing all the beats. Um, so for me, it was definitely a, I have to set that aside. I, I definitely had a, oh, wow, the scope of this first episode is not going to be what I think it is. But I had to turn that off because that is not a review of what was on screen. That's a review of the media in, in, in pundit discussion. It's not what's on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think Rodriguez, what he said, I think the spirit of it still remains true. You're right. He's not, he's not uh, at, at the promo house cutting those 30 second spots. Uh, you're right there. And, and uh, um, uh, yeah, I still feel he's relatively right, but uh, I was pleasantly surprised in a way where I, I didn't get uh, some of those specific things. Yeah. And, and di so did you wrestle with that as you were watching? Did you go like, oh, wow, that was not entirely accurate and I need to reframe the way I'm watching this episode? I think I think it uh, I think it popped up at one point for me, but it's so funny. I, I think I get uh, especially on initial viewings, get so pulled in some of the things. I, I remember walking out of Rogue One and someone mentions some of the scenes from the trailers that weren't in the movie. And <laughs> I suddenly went, 
oh yeah, where's Krennic <laughs> on the water and the TIE fighter? And oh, you're right. And, uh, you know, I guess a blessing and a curse. I just uh, see what's in front of me on the table and I eat what is served, I guess. Um, so no, uh, but I, yeah, I think I, I picked up on like, oh, okay. That some of that stuff that I thought was literally the opening scene, not, not the case, not the case. Yeah, and, and to Rodriguez's credit, a lot of what was really uh, interesting and dynamic about this episode, the you know, the Sarlacc escape, some of the actual, you know, interactions with the, the Tuscans and the Jawas and that, that that is not in the trailers. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a possibility, I'm just spitballing here, that he's really talking about, we mostly showed this side of the story, we didn't show as much of the this other side of the story. Um, so I'm really excited to see how that plays out. But I just wanted to acknowledge that because I think it might have affected a lot of fans yeah. uh, viewing and I think it's so important of even if on the first view and you're like, hey, I'm a little distracted by this because I kind of brought this meta real world baggage yeah. <laughs> into the story to be able to acknowledge it, turn it off and then just engage with the story on screen. Because yeah. I think the story on screen uh, is really great and really beautiful and you shouldn't have to have the baggage of. But I thought this scene was from that trailer was going to be in this. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's unavoidable for us. This is uh, our line of work here. I'm uh, always pleasantly surprised. And I think you experienced this with your partner, Sarah. But uh, Grayson that morning was like, oh, is tonight is tonight that Boba Fett show? And I was like, God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> she hadn't seen a second. Hadn't seen a second. And uh, it's, a, it's a pure experience. And I love that. Yeah, no, I mean, Sarah, bless her heart, uh, does not dive into this stuff. And yeah, she knew nothing about like uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. And that was an amazing experience. And uh, she's not watched any of this Boba Fett stuff. So this will be uh, fascinating and great uh, to watch it with her tonight. Uh, all right. Should we dive into the the big themes, the ideas that are at stake in this first episode? Uh, no, I thought we did a great job. Let's wrap it up. And say goodnight. <laughs> we have so much more to say. Let's get into it, Ken. For you, what was the uh, the big idea, the big themes? Uh, what felt like it was at stake? What was this episode about? Yeah, look, I think this episode is about the, the simple fact that John Favreau just loves Jawas and he wants to tell us Jawas stories. John, just tell your Jawas story because you always got some good Jawas stuff. Uh, there's a lot. And as always, our caveat, it's what we take from it. A lot of it can be uh, applied to your own life. And that's what it should be. There's, the, when we say room to breathe, I, uh, I think there's room for us to connect to these stories in different ways. Uh, nothing we're saying here is cold, hard facts, but it's just uh, what we believe is in there. And uh, I think uh, some of the big themes for me uh, was uh, reinvention more than just growth uh, is a big one. Healing, but more importantly, how do you truly heal? And maybe are you done? And this idea of Boba, Boba Fett uh, ain't done he- dealing, or excuse me, ain't done healing. And nope. ain't, done, ain't done dealing with it. And he still clearly, as this episode ends in current time, I guess you could say, he's he's easily hurt. Like, he took some blows, let's be clear. But the fact that he panically was like, get me back to the back to pod, like, he's not done. And again, that's why I go this idea of escape is uh, uh, not enough. Uh, uh, there's more to the story there. And he's not just going to return. And he's Boba Fett of old, just like Maul is not going to return and be Maul of old. You're going to go on a journey. Uh, I thought a lot of, uh, what is it, Goodfellas, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. <laughs> and I, I thought of as far back as I can remember, I've never understood what I truly wanted to be because there's a lot of things going into it. And that's the beginning of the journey. Then things start to kind of unfold uh, in that there, but I'll kick it back to you. Yeah, yeah, that that new shot inserted in the familiar Geonosis scene of uh, young Boba picking up his father's helmet and really like seeing his reflection, this that mm-hmm. face staring at him of like, uh, I, I think this is what I want to be, but what is this, right? Um, is this a moment of strength or is this a moment of weakness? Uh, I, I think for me, this uh, what really worked in 
the story of Boba Fett, but also to me did have some sort of uh, ripples and relationships with um, the real world perception of Boba Fett is this idea that if your whole identity is wrapped up in being a warrior, the best in unstoppable armored badass, if that's who you are, how do you possibly reconcile failing? Because you've built up an identity for yourself that the second you stumble, you strip that identity away from yourself. You strip that armor away. And then how do you become okay with that and rebuild? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. This idea of Boba being stripped, going back to the beginning scenes in, in these dreams, which are kind of this, uh, the simple, you know, your path to where you are now, right? Including uh, Din's flashbacks too, of like, that's the trauma that uh, forms you, good or bad. Uh, now you're here. What do you do with it? Choices. Big, big Star Wars theme, of course, choices. Boba stripped of everything he was and used to cover himself up. T- uh, Tamara Morrison has a great line in the little featurette that was out there um, uh, before, and I think you can find it now. He just says, wearing that armor, he's talking as a performer, but he says, wearing that armor gives you a sense of power. And, and, and I just thought about that. Uh, uh, you know, I used to be in pro wrestling, and, and my, my character, my gimmick, it, it was a, like a Western uh Texas promoter. I wore a cowboy hat and sunglasses. And I used to put that on. And my friend Dan Farron would always say to me, because I love watching you put on that hat and glasses. It transforms you. <laughs> and and I, I think Boba Fett, from that moment in the, the Petronaki arena, that armor, whether he put it on exactly or not, we know he had a little different armor as he goes through the Clone Wars era. Uh, but that armor gave him a sense of power that probably felt right and probably felt healing. And now here he is. Escape is not enough. He is nothing just uh, other than a man in a jumpsuit. By the way, they did a, the detail of the tapered pant around the ankle. It's <laughs> always been one of my favorite things of Boba Fett. He's got elastic uh, bands, uh, elastic around the ankle. And I, and I thought as they had the great overhead shot, I thought that's all he is. He's just a man in a one piece jumpsuit. That's all he is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a Boba Fett in a onesie. Is he still a badass in a onesie? It's a, it's a jokey way to say it. Um, what I really loved is like the dream thing wasn't just a device, right? It, it's literally, he says uh, the dreams are back, which means he's almost being haunted by them, right? Um, he, he's processing trauma. And what I really loved about the whole structure of this first episode is I feel like he is going through uh, parallel experiences that are that are very, very similar, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the memories he's working through of coming out of the Sarlacc and being robbed and beaten by Jawas, <laughs> you know, uh, and laughed at, uh, his memories are of a time of weakness, mm-hmm. then being in a culture that he doesn't entirely understand and slowly uh, kind of being infantilized to the point where like he's literally fighting with a child stick when he fights that Tuscan warrior. That's all he has is the, the kid's weapon. Um, he's infantilized. Uh, he's stripped of his armor, but then he slowly re-earns power through both strength and earning respect. So that's that's what his memory is. That's his. I think there's much more of the Tuscan Raider story to be told. But his memory is, hey, remember when I just had absolutely nothing, just stripped of everything physically and emotionally, mm. but I fought way, my way back and I did it through a combination of strength and earned respect. And now in the present, he's going through that again. He is he's projecting strength by like, hey, I took the throne, I got my armor. Uh, but he's feeling weakness. He is running to a, a, a Bakhtapod to physically heal his body 
and he's having, you know, basically PTSD that he can't control mm-hmm. <laughs> every time he's under that fluid. And he doesn't quite understand what it is to be a crime lord. So he's back in that same position if he's in a culture that he kind of understands, but not entirely. He's right. trying to change it up. He's trying to win through power and respect. A, a very similar thing happens to him where even though he's trying to be Mr. Powerhouse, he ends up back down in the sand being robbed. Yeah. And even though it, it is an actual physical injury that he takes there at the end, to me, there is some panic attack in the mm. shouting to the good morning gods, get me back to the Bhaktapod, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like he's partially like thinking through his past to go like, I've done this before. I've been in a weakened state and I've regained my strength. Mm. And that's what I'm trying to do on a larger scale as this crime lord. Yeah. That and, and can I do it again? And he's remembering I think that's why the 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 end of the the episode is kind of this victory moment of like, remember you did it before, you can use your strength and you can find respect and you can be on top again. You can prove to yourself that you're the warrior again. Love it, man. I love it. This is well, I love discussing this stuff with you because it, it it really kind of uh, connect with some of that stuff too. Because again, we know, especially from watching Mando season two, the armor. It's not like he emerges from the Starlack or emerges from this experience with the Tuscan Raiders and just like you know what, I don't need the armor. I'm going to be a puffer pig farmer and life is great, right? He doesn't do that. He 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 get he finds his way back because this is this idea of like, are you worthy? You know, it's almost like the Tuscan Raiders are asking that. That's kind of their point of view. It's a brutal and harsh culture because it has to be. That's how they survive out there, those Tuscan yeah. Raiders. And they're kind of asking, are you, are you worthy? And he finds what's inside himself to survive. There's this wonderful, it's a very functional line, to be clear. But when he says, Rodian, do you want me to cut your bonds? And, and how the Rodians just like, no, I'm going to rat you out. Like, I, I, I don't like my situation, but I'm stuck to these bonds. Again, very functional line. I don't think it was entirely designed to be completely uh, uh, deep. But at the same time, you said earlier, there's an economy of words in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just a very, uh, a very poignant moment. If do you want me to cut your bonds? Because he just cut his own bonds. But what are you going to do with that? And you're, that's not the end of the journey, clearly. And 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 again, this idea of can you find what's inside you to survive and to and to and to connect to what you're saying. I agree with you. There's a little bit of a panic attack going there. He ain't as tough as he wants to be in that moment. And and they're jumped, and it's he's got a war coming. The underworld, it's not going well. And clearly, stranger to strange land, Mas Espa's most more the strange land than the Tuscan Raider camp, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it applies to both for sure. Yes. But yeah, uh, but it, but yes, that I think that's a power that that's it's the same story, and it's mm-hmm. a, a story about what is weakness, what is strength. I love you pointing out that line to the Rodian because I feel like Tuscan perspective is like. If you can't escape bonds, then you deserve to be in them. Yes. Yes. That seems to be their cultural uh, perspective, right? And and it ties into the end, that victory where, you know, much like Leia, he uses the chains to get free by killing that creature. And when he comes back, he is holding that chain outward toward that Tusken leader. Like, look what I did. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just the practical. It's not just I survived and I uh, saved this child and and this uh, massif that I now have a very complicated relationship with. (laughs) Uh, I I took off my bonds Mm -hmm. and he wins that strength and that respect, you know, with the the sip of the gourd water. The gourd water, indeed. Who doesn't love some good gourd milk water? Um, I love, yeah, I was going to talk about it. So it's a great, great action moment, too. But I think one of my favorite shots of this episode is after him killing the, uh, what, 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 I don't know the official name yet, uh, ape, uh, ape spider, uh, Harryhausen monster that people are calling it. Um, 
and he just holds those chances and just stares at that Tuscan Raider kid. It's it, you're right. It's it, what, defining your victory. And I tie that moment to what he says earlier to Fennec of I walk on my own two feet. Right, right. He wants to project strength and, and he has a very clear idea of what strength is, is mm-hmm. it's it's freedom. It's choice. It's I only make an allegiance if I choose to. It's respect. Right. Yeah. It's not just I can kick anybody's ass. That is a part of it. <laughs> yeah. But it's the will to live and survive and be unbound. Yeah. And, and not he's not going to be a, a bloated space slug on a, on a litter being carried and paraded to the center of town, ruling on fear. And and, and, and that's an earned perspective from Boba Fett. And, and I love I love what you say of like he's 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 back to almost back to where he started. And can he draw on those lessons of who he was into this new era? Yeah. And, and what I love really uh, visually about this story is, you know, as a prequel fan, it, it's fun for me to see like, yes, this is essential to the core of Boba Fett to see uh, Camino in Geonosis. But I also think they have great, great meaning. And this is where I think Favreau's style, uh, this general style of Mandalorian, uh, all the great directors who've worked on it, you know, Filoni, Rodriguez in this episode, they really tap into some of the kind of different mythic ideas that Lucas was interested in. And I really think there's a strong uh, visual and plot thematic throughout this about Boba is going through this this sort of panic and in his mind, water is safety mm. and sand is death mm. in pain, right? So we have the, those flashes of Camino, right? Of he grew up in this, on this world that was literally sort of oceanic uh, yeah. is a, an actual, yeah. you know, Freudian term. Yeah. Take, take, take a grain of salt with whatever old Sigmund Freud has to say, but that's an actual Freudian term of like, when you feel at peace, that was his term for it, of the oceanic feeling. Yeah. Um goes to you mean amniotic the actual sense of 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 safety of being in the womb uh, that boctopod is extremely literally uh, womb like right you're suspended in fluid so we see that camino image as water childhood family safety and then on geonosis this dusty horrible place any sense of safety ripped from him by his father's death that fear of weakness right and then we see image after image of him being in uh down on the sand (laughs) staring up at that brutal sand you know or the brutal suns in the sand it's pain and death so there's that uh very visual contrast but then i love everything that's happening with water right Mm. um we know that just on a practical level water is the economy uh on tatooine um because it is rare it's what the farmers do it's what people want to steal but there's so much going on with water in uh in the crime lord you know sections the the current time sections there's a stuff about him getting tributes uh with from money but almost everything else of value in this episode is water right Mm. it's literally life it's the economy it's to be stolen uh the first shot when Boba is in the camp of when the leader walks out, the leader looks at Boba and drinks the water to say, do you deserve this? Are you strong enough to feel a moment of safety and security? And it, it it's like leaders get water. Do you deserve water? You know, <laughs> your role is to get the water, not to drink it. And by the end, he's sipping the water. And yeah. like in that part of the story, that's the tribute. And I feel like when he's going around as a crime lord, He's collecting money, but it's like he's collecting water because water is 
power, it's safety. Uh, I'm waiting for one of us to get to it first, but water is for closers. All right. Water is for closers. Water is for closers. Uh, no, and first of all, I am always here for sand uh, and your relationship to a conversations in Star Wars. I think it is uh, something that is... Uh, became a meme but has great power uh and uh yeah i absolutely love what you're saying yeah the the image of uh yeah the tuscan chief man i love that moment i love that you highlight that moment that's such a great way to explain it you you want this don't you cool how are you gonna get it how are you gonna yeah. get it? and are you worth it uh, worthy of it and then uh yeah the stealing the uh, seeing the uh, nikto gang stealing the water from the farmer there um yeah very plain very plain water is power Water. Yeah, and I feel like that Nikto is uh, setting up, you know, storytelling in the in the future, that, especially with the tag and, and everything. But it also really reinforces this. That's what everything is about. Is you, you want to live, you want to prove you can stand on your own two feet. The first thing you need is to earn water. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What were some other uh, big ideas for you? Um, again, going to this idea of uh, the, the the healing uh, is a is a big one for me, and you know, looking at Star Wars as a guide for self help, uh, not a bad thing. And and um, uh, I put down the idea of I'm a big uh, fan of the the movie Magnolia, but the idea of and the book says, uh, you know, you you may be through with the past, but the past ain't through with you. And I just love that Boba Fett, uh, you know, found his way uh, from the Petronaki arena and ends up in the belly of that beast. Uh, escape is not enough again. It comes out and he it, just this journey that's constant and, and, and a constant reinvention, a chance to rebuild, but a chance to truly heal. And that's a big Star Wars theme overall, but specifically in this episode, just to see that uh, it is still clearly going. And in fact, who, who knows about the status of his health? Who knows the long-term effects? He looked pretty healthy in, uh, you know, Mando. We didn't spend a lot of time with him. We just saw him kicking ass up out in Simi Valley. Uh, but now the fact that it's just this ongoing thing and you ain't done dealing with it, uh, is, uh, is a, it ties into a lot of the other things we've been talking about, but uh, healing. Um, I love Star Wars comments on that. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it's just such a powerful visual to actually be in that that bath, and and he he looks health much healthier than even in uh, Mandalorian in, in the tragedy episode when he first gets his armor yeah. back. Um, also, I, I think this kind of ties to the healing because I think it is maybe something that's always been in Boba's character. Uh, we've certainly had hints in Clone Wars uh, that Django. Uh, acted with uh, respect and had a code of honor, right? Um, yeah. I believe it's Hondo who who says that to young Boba, like your father would, you know, act respectful yeah. or act with honor, right? No, so it's definitely that's in there for Boba Fett to act with honor as well as to be a merciless killer. Yeah, but he seems even more transformed by uh, some of these events, and uh, obviously in the the commercials, the trailers, a lot was made of that very key line of Jabba ruled with fear. I, I'm going to rule with respect. So, uh, you know, I really perked up to this idea of respect, but I thought it was really fascinating in telling about who Boba is that he seems to think that there is two ways to earn respect. Uh, one is just merciless strength, mm -hmm. but the other is mercy. Yeah. That the fact that when he's trying to escape from Tuscans, he does not kill the massive. Um, he does, he, uh, he, raises the stick but he does not hit the tuscan child right he mm -hmm. he offers to free the rodian there's a lot of stuff that is about uh that the idea of strength isn't just i am more powerful than everybody i'm gonna make you uh I, i'm gonna force you to respect me uh out of fear like he says because i'm stronger 
there's also this big threat of mercy. And it seems like he's that his experience with the Tuscans, the Tuscan Raiders is really informing the crime lord choices he's making where they're having this conversation about it would be easier to just start killing people. (laughs) So they're afraid of you. And in particular with the Gamorian guards and, Mm -hmm. You know, the rest of the story has yet to play out. Maybe they're going to stab Boba in in the back or in the Boktopod. But the fact that Fennec's like, don't show them mercy. Mm. And he asked them for their, you know, Mm -hmm. if if I show you mercy, will you, you know, uh, respect me, basically? Uh, Will you uh, work for me, honor me? You know, it it is. There's definitely a power dynamic there, but it is about respect. And then Mm. the fact that that, is an act that helps him a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'll address some of it in uh, when we look at the maybe larger Star Wars perspective and story. But I love uh, the, the there's a duality there, and I often wonder. Look, I think at times it's fair to say Boba Fett's a, a, a bad man and a bad guy. Like over the course of even some stuff in, in the comics recently and everything, he's got a code, he's got this, but he has chosen to deal with a lot of his life in a bad way, but he also has this job and this profession that he's the best at. I often go to one of my favorite movies, Gross Point Blank, of John Cusack's hitman character who says a lot, like, it's not me. I'm, 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 if I show up, you did something for me to be here. <laughs> and I, I often think maybe Boba Fett lives a little bit that. And, and, and maybe there's those moments of, uh, with the massive and the, and, and the Tuscan child of like, yeah, you, you know what? Uh, I'm not here for that. I'm here for a different reason. And I just wonder, cause I, I love the moment with the Gamorrean guards and you're right. We'll see. Always got to wait to see how these stories play out. But in this particular episode, it's very clear. And Fennec's like, no. And you got Matt Barry is the, the, you know, by the way, we're just going to work through the IT crowd cast, uh, Chris, next. <laughs> um, you know, it's very, it's a funny beat too of like, what? No, uh, there's squeals will be heard. Uh, you know? but, um, <laughs> th- th- it pays off in that episode very clearly when the Gamorrean guards show up to, to save them in that fight. We'll see how it plays out. I agree with you, but I, yeah, yeah I love analyzing for Boba Fett. We can talk about the larger theme in a second, but the, for Boba Fett, two signs, two sides to the same coin. Yeah. Strength and mercy. I love it. I also love the Gamorrean guards uh, just speed stripping his armor to get him in the Boktopod. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I yeah, I think I think part of the reason that I really like this that it it is a tale of sometimes Boba uses strength to get the respect he feels he's owed, and sometimes he has that kind of merciful, uh, you know, hand of we can work together. I'll, I'll offer that first. Yeah. Um, it makes Boba Fett, you know, this really interesting anti-hero and almost like an underdog in his own show. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it would be a fun. I loved it in the tragedy when he got his armor back. Uh, he got the drop on a bunch of uh, stormtroopers who are not well trained, and he he just rushed through them. That was great. That was thrilling. I love it. Yeah, and I think we're going to get some more moments like that as he gets his his strength back. But for now, he's a little bit of an underdog, right? It makes you root for him, and it makes you want to watch the next episode to see, like, okay, in this flashback, this dream, mm-hmm. he had this beat where it's like, I uh, yeah yeah the the Tuscan chief gave me my gourd water that I earned. <laughs> <laughs> but then you, in contrast, feel so bad for him of like, he wants to walk all over <laughs> Mos Espa, yeah. personally introducing himself and collecting money from his vassals. And it, it and you, you're you so with him of like, you, I can see how that you think that would earn respect yes. and it doesn't work. You end up walking around to show people how strong you are on your own two feet and end up getting robbed and, you know, getting beaten and robbed by Jawas again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Look, there, there's this great, uh, there's a couple of moments there that I love that you're saying where he, he at this point, he's, he's an anti-hero and he's a little bit of a long journey. And again, he uh, talks some about what he's done in the past, but uh, one of my favorite little moments is when he walks into the sanctuary and he takes off his helmet right away. He got no, he not Dinjarin, takes his helmet no. off right away and looks around and it and just is kind of like, yeah, all right. Like he's he's kind of like, yeah, I'm a crime lord, but I like a good dinner and a good time. Let's do it. Like there's something I, you talk about save the cat moments. You got save the massive moments and enjoy <laughs> the sanctuary moments. And maybe start to root for him. You're right. And, you know, you're, you're, you forget that this is a bad man that got, who tried to kill our beloved Han Solo. And that's how we ended up in the Starlight Pit. And he's escaped and he's something new. And uh, I'm here for this journey, I guess, more than I thought I would be in 80. Yeah. There aren't real beats of him being like very human like he's still minimal he's still sort of like iconic in in mythic uh but even the choices of Tamura morrison's delivery i kind of like you know he he's human right he, like he wants there to be power and menace in that helmet but he also wants to be just as respected with the helmet off right yeah uh so there is this real connection to human and and I love some of his delivery of like, that's weird. I used to work for him. <laughs> <laughs> Great comedy. Yeah, no, look, at tight. Look, I, what, what's my, one of my lasting images of Django is him sitting up there on the, that, uh, the dais up there with Dooku in the, in the uh, arena. And Django's got his helmet off. He's yeah. here, I'm here for a fun ac- execution. I'll put my helmet on when it's time to fight. So I think that that tracks for, for, for me tracks for tomorrow. Morris making the choices for two separate characters who are so uh, strongly linked and, uh, and, and I just uh, absolutely love, yeah, the, the economy awards is there. And, and, and as far as I think there is still some mystery of Boba Fett and big discussions around. Oh, yeah. Once you take the helmet off is the, the, the myth of Boba Fett is destroyed. Guess what? We've been living with that since 2002. Yep. Is a 12 year old boy. And, not, and for me, not destroyed. It's converted. It's converted. No, yeah, yeah. No, and that's the path I was going with that thread of like, no, no. The, George already decided there's someone under there and I want to unveil who it is. And now and then Clone Wars. I, if you didn't live with a lot of the Clone Wars stuff, if you didn't take those deep dives on those Boba Fett episodes, like that, I, Boba Fett, and the, the mystery man in the mask is long since removed from me. And now I want to find out who that person is. Yeah, I mean, he you, you know who he is under the mask. You know some of his baggage. Uh, but he is still a man of mystery in the way that we are all sort of humans of mystery, particularly when we are capable, when we have a lot of power and we're, we're capable of rash and deadly actions. Uh, but we're wrestling with who we want to be. You know, I have, uh, you know, people in my life that I care about who have gone through points of like, you are a person of mystery right now. Or I've gone through points in my life like I am a person of mystery to myself. And he's still containing that because like, what is he going to do? You know, is he going to flip that coin on? Uh, I want respect. I'll get it through strength or mercy. Which is it going to be today? Like that tension is there. Yeah, look, it's something I'm, I'm, de- I'm dealing with a lot of changes in my life the last couple of years. And, and I'm still who I am, always going to be who I am. But also the the, the, the direction I'm going and, and, the, and the people around me have changed. And I think and, and, and they're probably like, hey, you took the mask off. Who is <laughs> who is this guy? And, and, and that's why this ongoing healing and watching Boba Fett continue on this journey. I connected with that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I do like the way he is just uh, checking out the sanctuary. <laughs> it's almost like he's like, uh, he's got that line about like, looks like business is good. It's almost like he's going like, I'd like to see the menu. Uh, apps, craps and taps. Good, good business. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Jennifer Beals comes up uh, with her wonderful character and uh, you're kind of like, hey, you want to, you know, try the wares. Garza Whip is her name. And uh, I like he's kind of like, Oh, no, not now. Later. I'll definitely come back for the apps. Uh, want to see? <laughs> definitely. But we're here for business. Yes. I like guacamole and I definitely need a massage. <laughs> Lots of things going on in my sacrum. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, 
So any other ideas uh, before we kind of move on to more the big picture of how this episode, this story reflects larger Star Wars? No, I'd love to, love to connect it to the big picture. Excellent. Let's talk big picture then. What kind of big Star Wars uh, themes or morality or philosophy did you see reflected in this episode? Yeah, this is where the area where I, I personally put a lot of question marks at the end of it, which is great because this is maybe what start, the series will continue to to uh, answer and ask, actually. Uh, so I talked a little bit about this idea of, the, you know, you, you may be through with the past, but the past ain't through with us. I, I mentioned, you know, we, again, who Boba Fett is to the galaxy. We, we, we know that he's known in certain uh, areas. And, and as he tries to reinvent uh, that's, that, that person and who he is, I'm going to, this question of can you leave behind your sins starts to pop in. And what did it, was it directly ex- stated a lot in this episode? Not necessarily. I think it's setting me up for this journey to see, see where, where we go, where we got a little bit of star redemption's a big thing in star Wars, but uh, you know, he's done again, done a lot of things. Uh, not everyone knows all the details of, along the way in the comics and the shows and everything, but he's been a bad guy. He's done some things, and now can he leave that? Can he truly leave that behind and approach it in a new way? I don't know that answer. I don't know if it's going to come bite him. I don't know if that's going to be part of the struggle. I just like that that connects to a bigger question in Star Wars for me. Yeah, for me, I really agree. It's this Star Wars perspective that the past matters. It can't entirely define you because you can't be trapped by it. You need to make a new choice and move forward. And I feel like this whole episode is like him working through trauma, starting with like his kind of original trauma of losing his father. And he is being haunted by that past. But then by the end of the episode, I feel like he's gaining strength from it, remembering like, but remember how low I was with the Tuscans and how I fought my my and got my power back is so a great Star Wars story of, of wrestling with the past and saying it matters. You can take strength from it. You can learn lessons from it, but you can't be trapped by it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I wonder. This is a wonder aloud of of will uh, is is the is he even changes and tries to grow? Is the cost too much? Has he done too much? And is just life itself, the force itself, going to collect its toll? Uh, I'm not suggesting Boba Fett's going to be dead at the end of this. I don't want him dead at the end of this. But you know what I mean? Just like like y- y- you can continue to try to leave it, but uh, how far? I don't know. I want him again. I'm rooting for him. And I hear a mode here, uh, and it's interesting to me to wonder. Yeah. Yeah, I think another big idea for me is just the idea that change is possible, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of characters that we meet in Star Wars who are either uh, cynical or apathetic of like, well, this is just the way the galaxy is and you you just get by and you look out for number one, right? And the fact that Boba's being this like <laughs> kind of progressive figure, this agent of change, and he's like, yeah, no, not only am I the new crime lord, but everybody change how you do everything, mm-hmm. Um and the fact that is, I think, very true uh, often, especially when you're trying to change a whole system or structure, that no one likes that idea. Everybody is being so belittling to him, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, Garza Fwip, right? Like, mm-hmm. she is saying all the right things, but she means none of them. The same thing of mm-hmm. almost every person who is, you know, quote unquote, paying tribute of like, yeah, no, nothing's going to change. It's nice that you walked nothing's changing dude <laughs> uh absolutely i love her delivery you're so right uh saying everything meaning nothing you're, you're just like i didn't oh i apology apologies i didn't see your, your your litter oh you didn't have it i don't care what you're doing it's just whatever you're in charge i'll play the game uh yeah, too. yeah that was, so, so that actually was kind of where i wanted to leap off some other stuff of just the question of how you treat others and how do you rule very clearly job or rule with fear i intend to respect we've heard that now for for a while um with the promos and everything and I'm fascinated by the fact that he very clearly is like, I want to, Jabba has many facets and he wants to keep the business intact, right? 
That's this, yeah. tour. That's this tour he's taken. Like, how you doing? How you doing? You, uh, you didn't vote for me, but guess what? Uh, policies are going to be the same. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. We're going to work together. Um, I uh, am fascinated. This is a, a question more than just this uh, true, you know, uh, reflection of the larger story. It's a question for the larger story of you, you touched upon. It. If, if, if you try to use your position and power in a different way, what's going to happen to you when those you're trying to help reject that? It went, yeah. it, it, and I always try to, I'm kind of, I'm trying to clamp down on my references to another fantasy series I love. But if you try to break the wheel, but the people stuck on the wheel don't want that, what does that do to you? And how does that continue to challenge you? And do you grow from that? Do you crumple, crumble under the weight from that? Uh, I'm curious to see what happens because we know it's not going well yet. And it's uh, right now, and it's not going, uh, going to go uh, well in the next couple episodes. Yeah, absolutely. I think it ties into this essential Star Wars idea that everyone matters, you know, really represented uh, by Jar Jar and the Gungans in Phantom Menace, the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi, uh, countless places that, uh, you know, don't think it's just the powerful that matter and then just everybody is underneath the powerful. Everyone matters. And Boba Fett is definitely reflecting that with his, you know, respect for the Tuscans with his uh, uh, sparing of the Gamorreans and trying to create a bond with them. And yeah, that personal touch to collect payments from vassals feels to me like, yep, he wants to walk, have everyone see that he's walking around seeing that he can personally enforce his will. So there is definitely a strength thing there, but there's also like a respect thing here of like, <laughs> I love your politician thing of like, thanks for your vote. I want to know things. I want you to know things are going to change. Here's my personal line. There's no problem too small, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. He's I'm the godfather who makes house calls like that vibe. He, he's he's Harding running on the return to normalcy platform. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> All is well. Return to change. Yeah, I love that. It looks like he, he's going to have to fight tooth and nail to mm-hmm. get even this little piece of the pie uh, cut off for himself, much less change the system in any way. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm just, I'm, that's a part of the, what they're establishing and setting us up for this journey. And we'll see what, see what happens to good old Boba. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, last kind of big picture thing for me is I love this, uh, I go on about Star Wars being this uh, blend of old and new. And I think that's been there since uh, A New Hope with, you know, Obi-Wan talking about that's a name I've not heard in a long time and sort of the mystery and the power of uh, what has been versus what is new. A New Hope itself was, you know, talking about these ancient stories based on these ancient uh, uh, myths that felt familiar, but in 1977 looked and felt shockingly new. There's so much about Star Wars that's always been there. And now we have this added layer of uh, we as audience have lived with some of these images. You know, how many hours of video game time have you and I spent in that palace, right? So the palace can feel old, but we're seeing it in a new light. I love those opening shots of, you know, the, all these, these, the almost the nostalgia pop of like it's the palace mm-hmm. but it is so different here's a room we haven't seen on screen and it isn't this thriving party it's a damaged man uh you know in his bedroom in a pod having nightmares mm. yeah yeah again going to uh grace at the beginning of the episode those shots come up and she just went oh bleep <laughs> That just that was a great reaction. Yeah, seeing that land, seeing that world. But uh, remind me, I think it's on. This is on a bigger, grander scale. But even uh, that Mando episode where we first returned to uh, Mos Eisley, and it's like the streets are empty, the businesses aren't thriving, the canteen is a little more drab. Like it ain't popping off. And uh, and I love kind of uh, seeing where we are now. 
yeah, business has changed. I guess, uh, I guess the Chalmans has really got a few things it could learn from the sanctuary. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, we uh, like to check in with the chapter titles since the uh, Mando episodes uh, have always had chapter titles and it looks like Book of Boba Fett will as well. We talked about it a little bit. Stranger in a Strange Land. Where do you go with that? What do you feel like the the meaning of that is and, and how did it frame your view of this episode? Yeah, it definitely ties to both sides of this story in this episode. I, I kept saying almost jokingly, again, it's not, not any grand insight, but just how Moss Espa is a strange land. But and, and, and wondering that is like, again, Tuscan culture is brutal and hard because it has to be. But that's also kind of land. They're the indigenous people of this land. And and, and it is kind of a, a bit of a Western trope and a modern uh, Western trope, uh, you know, 20th century Westerns of, of the hero is uh, there destroyed and, and now has to kind of uh, learn the ways of the land. And I think Boba does that. We see that. We see the beginning of that, I should say. And I, 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 I find it interesting that he then finds himself at odds with those that took over the land, so to speak. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm really interested in how I, I think Bo- Boba knows the laws of the land, uh, but not necessarily understands the people that took it over. And that's what that keeps coming up. Right. And he's going to, and again, do it his way, respect power. But I'm curious to see how that keeps coming up uh, because it was a you know funny moment of, uh, you know, Fennec saying, hey, you know, look, you got to it's going to work a lot better if you learn the ways here and then yeah. he throws that back at her but it's con- it's constantly coming up in the present tense where i think you could argue we're going to see him connect with the actual uh land that he was once a stranger in but now he's uh, the cycle repeating like you said up top and just the big themes yeah i i think so too i mean i think uh obviously stranger in a strange land bible quote uh famous science fiction novel there's lots of fun things to dive into uh with that but i think it just does have this mythic feeling of we all know what it is to be kind of out of our element um but was out of his element uh physically emotionally in both of these stories and trying to find his footing and then he's literally in cultures that he only half understands right i think he really understands the the crime world from his perspective as hunter and warrior and you Mm -hmm. know hired gun but he doesn't fully understand the crime lord yet like yeah no 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 no. i've seen i've seen the boss do it and then he gets into the office like wait i have no idea how to run this. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, uh, and I, I like even his shock when when Fennec Fennec has to translate for him so much of the subtext of what's being said to him because he's yeah. used to being able to just be blunt and say what I mean, what he means, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is how much you're going to pay me. You know, come with me now, or I'm going to shoot you in the back. Like he says what he means. Yeah, uh, and that's the world that he's lived in. But everybody's using subtext with him, and Fennec's got to be a subtext translator. <laughs> and I love it when he's like, when he just says, "I'm confused." <laughs> yeah. And Fennec Bings says, "Like he wants you to pay him," and he says, "What? I'm the crime lord. He's supposed to pay me." It's so like a what? Well, I thought this was going to be direct, and it's not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and to add some some clarity to what I was saying up top, yeah, yeah, it's like I have no doubt he's been in Moss Espa before. I have no doubt he knows made it, where to pick up some power converters. I, I absolutely know, but you're right. This is this is completely new. This this emotional setting, uh, this position, this position of leadership setting, all different, all new. Yeah, but he, I don't think, yeah, I even got the sense, like, I don't think he needs knows the streets the way those assassins did or the way hmm. Fennec does, right? Hmm. Like, literally, physically, like, I don't yeah. think, Yeah. Um, and then for me, I, obviously, he is out of his element with the Tuscan culture. He is figuring it out quickly. But one of the things I really loved, uh, I've been loving all of the appearances in the Mandalorian of the Tuscan culture and adding cultural um, weight to it and adding perspective to it. Because, you know, in the films, they absolutely can just be, yes, they they are um, the the natives, the, the deadly violent natives. And that can is a stereotype with lots of... Um, 
you know, upsetting baggage and to give them their perspective is great. And I was really curious to see, uh, there's been so much in Mandalorian to see where they take it. Mm-hmm. And what I loved in this episode, Ken, is seeing the, uh, the different roles within Tuscan society. Mm-hmm. That was cool all by itself with like just the actual different looks, uh, the, the, uh, different dress, uh, but then it really hit me on this deep level that Boba Fett is seen in these different roles in Tuscan culture, uh, parts of who he could be. Mm. Uh, Boba very specifically sees a child, a warrior, and a leader, mm-hmm. right? And we see in this episode his his childhood trauma, his relationship with this Tuscan child. He gets um, his ass handed to him by the Tuscan warrior, mm. which is the position he used to be in. Yep. He was not the leader. He was the warrior. And then he makes this bond with the the Tuscan leader, the Tuscan chief, gets that nod of respect. And that's what he wants to be in the future. I really feel like this sort of trinity of of roles within a culture, the child, the warrior, the leader, mm. that so speaks to what Boba has been and what he's trying to become. You're praying to the old gods and the new, and I love it. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I, that, is a, that is a great way to look at it. I'm going to talk about the favorite action moment a little later, but I love the interaction with the Tuscan warrior portrayed by Joanna Bennett, Brie Larson, and Gal Gadot's stunt double, by the way. Great stuff. Damn. Story. Yeah. Um, Love, love that. That's truly what. That's truly his life. It's an outline. Oh, that's great. And uh, who who does? I love the Boba Fett gets a nod of respect, much like the one he gives Bausch in uh, Return of Jedi. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, I think for me, it's just another great way to to look at this episode of Boba's been the child, he's been the warrior. Can he be the leader? Yep. And and, and again, we we've we've spent a lot of time with Boba the warrior uh, generations. We spent a lot mm-hmm. of time Clone Wars Boba the child coming out of that. Uh, so looking forward to Boba the Chief. Yeah. Was there anything that you disliked or questioned in this episode? Um, do, 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 running through? No. No. <laughs> Just like, I was really clued into this. I, I've been honest. In the past, like, I, I had to work through some stuff with Mando Season 1. Um, some of it had nothing to do with the content on the screen, and I got lost in, why are they hiding the fact that Pat, Pedro Pascal isn't in that suit? Why? I don't know if I like the volume. Volume's still growing on me at times. Times I love it. Times I'm blown away by it. Other times I'm like, man, too bad they couldn't have just had the budget to fly out to Tunisia and not down the street <laughs> by uh, San, San Pedro here in L.A. Uh, um, but that has melted away from me, and I really am on board with it. So I think I think two years ago, Joseph, I would have uh, you would have had a had a, a pull me back on some of that stuff. Um, it's not there anymore. I'm just on board with these the, these wide open spaces that these stories are are, are getting to play in the, the room to breathe. So that in terms of just how they made this series, anything a question? Um, no, uh, a wild Star Wars is wild and weird, and a giant four armed creature emerging from the sand might have thrown me off uh, decades ago with my Star Wars love. Uh, not so much now. Yeah, yeah, I, I was yet to find an official name for him, so I'm just thinking of him as four-armed sand jerk. <laughs> <laughs> he seemed like a big jerk. Um, yeah, I think uh, for me, I, I think anything I disliked or questioned wasn't about what was on screen. It was going through that, oh, uh, based on the the trailers and the teasers, there's much more story than we're going to see in this episode, and, and that's fine. But th- again, that has nothing to do with the show. That has to do with connecting to all the stuff outside of it. And then I think for me, yeah, there's some shots in this that where the volume looks phenomenal. And then there's some shots where like, you yeah, know, it looks like they're on the volume. Yeah. Um, 
So I acknowledge that, but also I, I think perhaps I have the gift of growing up loving Doctor Who, where uh, <laughs> particularly classic Doctor Who is it's that show is built on hubris of like we have a very low budget. Where shall our show take place? How about all of time and space? And it's really like, do you want to have fun? Do you want to have a fantasy? Do you want to have an adventure? Then these things just kind of stand in for the idea of it. It's not about being perfect. So yeah. uh, it, it is. It, I want to kind of explain that for myself because as a viewer, sometimes people are like, hey, that, that CGI was bad. And I'm like, was it? And I go back and look and go, oh, I can see it, but I don't care because <laughs> yeah. I was into the fantasy. So for myself, uh, exactly how great is the, the CGI or the technical element? In general, it doesn't take me out of a story. Yeah, no, it's it, look, it's something I, I ask myself why I struggle with it more than, you know, more than I should. Uh, because, look, uh, go watch Return of the Jedi and watch Lando and Han stand in front of a painting of the Millennium Falcon. Like, you know, right. like this is new. And, you know, one of my favorite shows growing up was Gilligan's Island. Clearly not an island. Um, <laughs> clearly not. Uh, and, and yeah, it's just weird. I, I and, and some of that I attribute that some of some of that it comes from being so aware of the process now which we mm-hmm. can never go back. And I'm obsessed, obsessed with the process. I love watching the behind the scenes stuff. I love rock docs and pop docs and things in books about, uh, Hey, remember 1975? Here's how they did that. I I'm obsessed with that stuff. Um, but maybe sometimes it, it hampers me because I, uh, and, and I feel, uh, I'm staring at, uh, at the kitchen and not the meal, but I, uh, that, 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 my point is all that just like, uh, I, I didn't hamper me for this one where Mando season one, I was a little bit more into that, as you know, even off air, probably more than on air. Yeah. Like, what am I, what am I seeing? <laughs> um, this time I, I'm here again. If this is another album from John Favreau and the band, I love what they're playing. I think that is great. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back to uh, discuss some of our favorite beats and moments, the action, the comedy, the fun little canon Easter egg nods, all that great stuff in just a moment. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, we are back to continue our discussion of the Book of Boba Fett, Episode 1, Stranger in a Strange Land. We talked a lot about the big ideas. We probably will some more, but now we're going to talk about some of the uh, moments. Ken, I want to start with a kind of favorite Star Wars canon, lore, connections to other stories. Uh, I wrote down some of the stuff uh, that I saw. Um, Obviously, there's a ton of species that we're familiar with. (laughs) I didn't write down Aqualish, because at this point, that's just, those are the the people of the galaxy. Uh, But some of the fun ones, uh, you already mentioned uh, Matt Berry as the smelter droid. Uh, I am seeing different things on the internet. I'm sure it'll settle down and we'll hear the truth about whether that's supposed to be 8D8 uh, from Return of the Jedi or a new droid called UK2B. Do you care which it is? (laughs) Um, I'm hoping it's UK2B, um, but I also will accept all comers, you know, uh, because is it EV? Which uh, which one ended up as the bartender at uh, Chalmers in May? EV99. EV99 did, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, no, no, no. And I just say, I, I'm a fan of Matt Barry, what we do in the shadows and, and a lot of the old, uh, IT crowd and stuff like that. So it was fun to hear that. And again, uh, to have John Favreau going, what comedic person can I bring in? <laughs> Start with Brian Posehn and then let's go from there from Mando to now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I thought the character, it was great to see that smelter droid who has, you know, really popped up in lots of, there's some great clone wars where there's a horrific model that loves torture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really advocating for, yeah, you should make them squeal, sir. <laughs> great stuff. Very funny. Uh, we do see uh, a character in a uh, Kyozo hat 
walk by in the streets of Mos Espa. Uh, if for those keeping track at home, Kyoza, uh, the, the species, the culture, uh, that is the character uh, Embo, great bounty hunter from the Clone Wars era. And of course, uh, Constable Zubio, who we all know and love, but did not see in The Force Awakens. Famous for not being in a movie, Constable Zuvio. Yeah. Uh, did you spy the Kyozo hat and go, here we go. All right, we're, we're going into weird Constable Zuvio theories. I'm uh, glad you pointed out. I had two and a half viewings and I didn't see it. So clearly that is uh, a, a private first class Zuvio and uh, we're going to get the story <laughs> of Zuvio's rise to power. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it's just so great. I love the uh, I love the fan history of Constable Zuvio where the, everybody mm-hmm. uh, was expecting him to feature in the film since there were a lot of action figures and merch and then oh. nah. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> uh, I think perhaps one of the biggest canon connections here ken is something we even speculated about and that is max rebo lives how did you feel about that and, and potentially makes makes up with figrin dan or a member of his band they had some heat in the e- eu right um uh <laughs> Love, uh, I love that. Uh, you know, because by now, if 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 Bib survived and Rebo survived, and uh, you know, uh, I'm good with uh, people jumping off. Whether or not I can't even remember if Rebo was on the katana. I think he was, right? I can't remember. Uh, and that's the point. That's the part of the fun. It's like cool, absolutely. Uh, bring Rebo in. I want to see more, more, because we know they're going to go back to the sanctuary, right? They got us. So uh, I want, I want a little bit of the side story. I want the VH1 behind the music of that survival. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it seems like uh, Boba's going to have more business at the sanctuary there. Yeah, um, yeah no, I just it, the, this is dealing obviously with lots of original trilogy stuff, prequel trilogy stuff, some designs from the sequel trilogy in here. Obviously, it's connected to all parts of Star Wars, but because of Jabba's palace, it, it is so connected to Return of the Jedi and you know my childhood love of that film. I was you know in owning that Max Rebo action figure and his organ. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and acting him out, playing tunes. It was so great to see him. It gives me hope that maybe Salacious Crumb survived. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's the, We're wide open on some of that there. Love the song they're playing, too. I think uh, Cantina Latina, I think is the title yep. of it. Right. I love that. Yep. Love the tune. Great. Yeah, listed as being written by John Williams, performed by Robert Rodriguez and Mark Del Castillo. Uh, but I really took it that it is just a an interpretation of the classic uh, Cantina song, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With the new flavor, love that, love that there. Yeah, that was absolutely great. And again, some of the uh, that great old and new, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, another fun thing in the Cantina. Uh, in the sanctuary, uh, there is an RX series droid working the gambling table uh, that looks uh, very much like the droid made famous by, you know, Disneyland and Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> uh, used to be the pilot of Star Tours, now a DJ in Oga's Cantina in, in Galaxy's Edge, uh, R3X or Rex, uh, RX24. Uh, so that was fun to see that kind of droid and that part of Star Wars being pulled in. Did you, yeah. what did you think of that? I love it, man. And, and you know, who knows? Maybe it's actually Rex and and, and Paul Rubens will will speak at some point. Probably not. <laughs> Don't think so. But uh, it was fun. Yeah. You never know. We could get a Paul Rubens cameo. Uh, I also like that one of the, I believe, Hask thugs uh, from The Force Awakens who are running around topless in Maz's bar. Uh, one of them was working the bar. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, that was great. Uh, another thing that I really like, Ken is in the shot where there's all the uh, money, the tribute being paid in Boba Fett's uh, helmet. Uh, a bunch of the money has the new Republic starboard symbol on it. Yes. Yes. So uh, I really like that because I, I really liked in this era that 
we've got different opinions on the New Republic that, well, technically the Outer Rim is under their jurisdiction, but they're really stretched thin and it's pretty lawless. And this idea that that's what credits look like. The New Republic is up and running enough that they've got their symbol, that symbol of hope stamped on the money, and already it's being thrown around by criminals. <laughs> hey, but it spends. It spends. It spends, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to see a bunch of Imperial credits. I just, it, it's, I don't know. I just, I love the iconography of Star Wars and that that mm-hmm. is a symbol of hope, but now it's a symbol of a government and now it's yeah. money that's being traded. And, you know, to go from uh, a, a symbol of hope that Sabine is spray painting in defiance mm-hmm. of the Empire to, yeah, it's, it's what's uh, stamped on the money. <laughs> yeah, and the challenges there, uh, therein. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing some calamari flan, right? Is that what it is from uh, Mando? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I would love to see that. Love that. But yeah, no, yeah. I love that. We, and a reminder of, again, where we are five years out. Exactly, exactly. And the in the, the reminder also that that could potentially be a uh, conflict that Boba Fett runs into is the New Republic having some opinions about some of the crime activities. Look. Chapter four, Carson Teba shows up. Something <laughs> is going on here. I'm, I'm hoping for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real final thing for me from uh, canon and lore is just a just a quality use of the word Slimo from that Rodian. <laughs> and Pudu as well, but Slimo indeed, yes. <laughs> uh, did you like this new Star Wars? Yeah, it had Slimo and Pudu. What's <laughs> not to like? <laughs> <laughs> and I love that Boba Fett didn't, you know, it does not speak Rodian, uh, but he he understood Slimo just fine. Oh, that was a great exchange too. Even he had the reversal of like, hey, you know, I'll feed your your leg to the the watchdog, and oh, you understood that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any other uh, canon or lore connections? to Other stories that you noticed? I I I I, I did. If, if if you don't mind, wanted to revisit the Sarlacc escape. Uh, oh, of course, please, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. First of all, I I love. I'm saying this is a compliment. It looked like he got stuck in a big car wash. <laughs> uh, and he stepped out of his car and uh, uh, and uh, got stuck. Uh, no, I absolutely loved it. Part of it was again, you and I talked about the the anticipation for are we going to see that? Will we ever see that? And yes, there's been different versions of it, and, and EU, whatever you want to say, but like to actually get in canon uh, and 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 you know in the aftermath series touched upon it a little bit. We already know we're in an era where hey, the, we're going to retell little moments from the books, uh, Cobb Vanth and everything. It's there. It's slightly different. Uh, so I'm, I'm beyond that. Um, but I love that there was just kind of like a here it is. And even if for initially I thought to myself, um, holy, like, that's it. Like, not negatively, but like, that's it, huh? Okay. He, he took a great breath from a dead stormtrooper, blew his way out with the flames and climbs out. And all right, he's there. And then it, I, I reflected on it a little bit, uh, Joseph, probably about four in the morning and thought, you know what? I'm, I really love the choice to be like, yeah, yeah, we're going to show you. That's what it was. He's out. And now the story begins. Don't don't worry about it. Don't focus on it. It's not the end of the episode. It's not a big plot point. It's just something you know happens. And we're going to show it to you. We're going to give you that treat. Now let's deal with what comes after. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Just that initial shot just really took my breath away of like, okay, uh, this is what it looks like on screen in modern canon to be in the belly of the beast. The, the, the fact that it was so claustrophobic, right? That it's not just like huge belly and it's like a party down here. There's like 80 people in here, you know? <laughs> One of the Nikto's like, hey, Boba, what's up? You doing down here? Yeah, okay. But just that that feeling, that that claustrophobic feeling that he's been uh, grabbed and there's that, that 
pulsing and you know it, it feels like it felt like he's being fed on right it's mm-hmm. not just like i fell in an organic cave it's like he's being fed on right yes yes and i i loved seeing that like the resources right that he uses uh his uh his helmet tech to find the stormtrooper mm-hmm. you know he, he he there's not apparently not oxygen down there so that resourceful using the stormtrooper breath which was great then the flames to burn his way out and then digging his way out way, way far away from it. Mm-hmm. To me, I love that it wasn't just, he realizes where he is in, you know, uh, yeah. jetpacks out straight out of the mouth. You know, it, it, it was right away. Like it's really impressive that he survived, uh, but it was a fight. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing too, of, of, of measuring of, uh, you know, ask yourself the question of, all right, did I love that? I saw that finally. Did I love it? Fair question to ask yourself. And and uh, I had that thought, too, of like, all right, I think I like that. What else would I have wanted? Nah, I don't want him to just explode out of there. I don't want him to use his rocket pack. I love that it was a fight. And again, uh, he he emerges pretty bad shape. You, you That phrase you said, getting fed on. Ooh, that's not good. Well, that's the thing, too, of like, you know, let's not forget the actual description mm-hmm. in Return of the Jedi, like where you'll be digested, you know, yeah. and learn new new ideas of pain. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so I feel like that is a big part of it, of why he it's not just like, oh, man, that was a lot of work to cut through this massive beast. Like, we don't know exactly how long he's been in there. Right. And he's been he is being fed on in some way. He's being digested. Yeah. I was wondering, too, if just like, you know, I was I I I, I um you know, for, for the first, the first view. And I, I, I kind of paused in my head and I was like, are, are we going to hear anything up above? Like, do we hear the explosion or, you know, the, maybe we hear uh, Han yelling something, right? you know, and, 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 and no, it seems like a little, little time has passed. And also I, I was uh, enjoyed the fact that while he's crawling out and maybe he's doing this thing with the Tusken Raiders, the second Death Star is being attacked. Well, I like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a lot going on in the galaxy right about now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, confirmation Max Rebel is indeed on the Katana. So hope. Yeah. There's hope. There's hope that you could survive that explosion. Man, how did he get out? Who picked him up? Or does he just <laughs> pop out of there and the, those legs he uses to play just get him out fast? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he I think he saw that lightsaber and is like, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sticking around for this hubris. He gads. Better dead he here than in gads, the floor. He gads, he says. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on then to action moments. Um, I'm going to throw this out first. Uh, we just talked about everything with the um, with the Sarlacc escape, but I, I got to start with the image of the bursting hand. The flamethrower is great, but the hand mm. bursting out of the sand. Uh, we were talking uh, about hopes, d- dreams. I really wanted to see that. Like I have been thrown into hell, and I should be dead but I have this will (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am saying no to death. And it's just, it's a horror shot. It's a mythic shot. The, the hand bursting from the sand of just saying, I will not die is so cool to me. Yeah. I absolutely love that. It is a great shot and, and uh, might become uh, iconic in time. Who knows? And again, we recorded uh, before this episode and before Boba Buffett recorded our return of Maul look in the Clone Wars. Uh, so it's weird. I'm talking about something you have not all heard, but we'll hear soon enough. So I want to reference it carefully, but Hey, Maul's been back in storytelling for, you know, over a decade. So no spoilers. <laughs> uh, but I, what I love for that episode you and I talked about is like Maul's back. Yeah. Right. Remember that badass? No, he's kind of crazy. It's a horror show. We are 
literally going into hell. And I love that Boba Fett's back, that badass character. Now, he had to fight to emerge. He, he barely got out. And when he shows up, and Grace and I both had a reaction to this, he is out and he's covered in ick and sand and he is not in a good spot. He did not emerge triumphant. He emerged broken and ready to be rebuilt. I love the choice of that. And it is a great action moment because of that. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it, you know, he's had two very low moments in the sand, uh, starting with his father's death. And and now with this, his, his almost death and his uh, possible rebirth. What are other action moments that grabbed you? Um, you, you mentioned I want to go to the, the the battle with the Tuscan warrior again. Shout out to Joanna Bennett. A great design on the character. I want some uh, uh, some Tuscan Raider figures based on this episode. Oh, yeah. Great designs. Great color schemes going in there. Not just the old uh, drab uh, brown and beige. Right. Um, no, they are lined in that shot where they're where they have tracked him and like, all right, you want to escape? Let's see uh, when they're all lined up. Is this like just that's I want that pack. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. There all you go. Them. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Boba being unable to defeat the Tuscan warrior, you, you said it, the weapon of a child in his hand and this big, strong, uh, you know, uh, badass from the known all around the galaxy is not himself and can't do it. And it doesn't take away from the Tuscan warrior's skill. Uh, I, I refer to her as well as the Tuscan champion, right? Like this is the, yeah. the, the champion of the camp of the village here. Uh, and even even when in initial shots, when you first got to see them, the chief and the warrior and how the warriors just kind of like almost like is it do I when do I get to fight him? <laughs> like what like right? I mean some energy there that there's a real uh, like I know not everybody loves the uh the uh return scene in special edition of New Hope when uh Jabba is confronting Han, but the way Boba's standing there like waiting for Jabba to say, like, take him out. <laughs> yeah. There's a similar vibe with this uh this warrior, this champion of like, do you, do you want me to okay, cool. Yeah. Yep. No, and it's not time. It's not time. So anyways, I love the fight. I love the action. I love the pathetic nature of Boba Fett in this moment because he he's not at full strength. He's not fighting. He's with he's in that onesie. <laughs> he's in the Boba Fett onesie. Uh, and I just uh, I just liked it for what it was, uh, both the action and I guess I should say the inaction uh, from Boba Fett. Yeah, I mean, it, it is one of those things to, that's got that great tension of like it's it, what Boba does is pretty impressive. He is been through hell in the uh, belly of the Sarlacc. He's been dragged through the sand. He's dehydrated and he still puts up that good of a fight and, you know, gets up a couple times after being smacked pretty damn bad. Uh, it, it's a it's a cool fight for like, come on, Boba Fett. Uh, I guess I guess that was pretty good given the circumstances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, one of my favorite beats is uh, seeing Gamorian guards successfully guard someone. <laughs> okay. That was my next moment. Oh my gosh. Love it. Love it. Frank Trigg and Colin Himes play the Gamorian guards. Uh, 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 let me just say this, Joseph, as someone who's uh, in his mid forties, who lifts weights every day, but also eats every day, finally to see myself on screen. Uh, <laughs> I absolutely love the Gamorian guards racing into that battle. Yeah, yeah. I th I liked uh I liked that the choice to not have them in huge suits but to have human beings, you know, mm -hmm. uh that can move and fight and act and yeah, it was it was just kind of triumphant and fun for knowing them as good morning guards. That's mm -hmm. you know, their noun forever. And just some cool actual beats of like the, when they really take the are just punching the assassins mm -hmm. and they just crumble. No, they're good. Yeah, no, they're, they're vicious and they're good and they're strong and they, and they save the day. And again, a lesson of Boba Fett to kind of be rewarding here. We'll see how it plays out. But I, I love that there. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some more for you? 
uh, it's it's one that we'd seen in the trailer, but it's also uh, an echo, a little poetry, a little rhyme to uh, the Mando episode. But just I, I do think I love Fett and his downward hammer hits. <laughs> Very much more Morrison uh, in those moments and just that like the eyes bulge and it's a great angle. I want to see that every episode. Oh, yeah. No, I, I have a screenshot that like three different times. Like, like it's OK. You still have a, you have a screenshot of that. Um, <laughs> I think also it is that defiance. Right. Because he is on his heels uh, this entire episode uh, in flashbacks uh, and in this, uh, you know, except for his defeat of the actual monster at the end there. Um, that that defiance. Of he he's not on top of this fight he's not winning this fight but he catches that when he catches that that stick coming down on him and it's that same energy of the the hand bursting out of like no I defy this right mm-hmm. and then I do love the contrast we talked about it in the trailer but all this talk of like uh, I, I will rule uh, not with fear but with respect you attacked me. I'm going to turn your head into a melon. <laughs> I have no compulsion about that. There's, the respect conversation has passed, and yeah. I'm going to remove your entire skull. Yeah, yeah. For knowledge and defense, that's what the Jedi say. Well, we're past that. <laughs> yep, in a good old disintegration. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Poof. yeah. Uh, I also loved all of the uh, the Star Wars parkour across uh, mm-hmm. Mos Espa. That was some really cool uh, flips and flying. But I think my favorite beat is, you know, Fennec seems like she's a little a little clearer on what's going on with her. Uh, it, it, and she's a little sharper, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love that you had that moment when she kind of corners the two of like, ooh, is this going to be a big fight? And I love that she handles them real quickly yeah. and then makes her point. <laughs> Yeah. But just uh, I'm I make eye contact with you with and it's really got that. Are you looking at me? Are you looking at me? Yeah. And then kicks the guy off the roof. Love it. It's like she's uh, she's choosing, uh, you know, one, two, three. I'm going to you're the one that's going to survive and be my prisoner. Uh, love. And I love I love the moment before. It's not necessarily a action moment, but it sets up the action. I love when Boba kind of looks at her and is like Fennec alive. I know what you're <laughs> capable of. We need one alive. Yep. Yep, and 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 it is, and she you know follows that right, and I feel like that's what that kick off the roof is about. Is like I want I want you to submit because I want to see you to see the other option. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, and leading that they're in that chase. Yeah, right. Star Wars parkour, indeed. Uh, there's a moment where they uh, they're flinging the dagger at her, and she comes around the corner, and and, and uh, the, the character Fennec does that leap back from the dagger. Yeah, and um, you know. Clearly a stunt performer, I know, but uh, it caused Grace to yell from our couch, damn, all right, Mulan. And I just, <laughs> that's my summary of the episode. Yeah, and the whole dive off the roof is great, too, yeah. of like, yeah, no, not today, assassins. Not today. Um, yeah, and then uh, for me, final thing is is going to that, uh, the the choking of the sand jerk, the Ray Harryhausen beast. Uh, man, I, I just... I love the entire thing as an action scene. You know, I wasn't sure exactly where we were going there at the end. And then the the, the claw being discovered, I was like, yes, this yeah. is so great. This is uh, so pulp adventure serial. And I, I just love the weird design because, you know, uh, y- you can see monsters with forearms any old place. Yeah. Play Mortal Kombat. But the way the body moved and like sometimes... Uh, I'm standing straight up and all four arms are kind of arms. And then sometimes arms are kind of legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, the, and there's that one kind of frozen image. Uh, it's not frozen. It's moving. Uh, it's frozen in my mind uh, where the creature is, is using the two lower arms as kind of feet bracing mm-hmm. itself. And Boba is on the back and, and 
choking. It's like, that is the cover mm. of an old pulp magazine. Like, yeah. I just, I love the the choking and the freeing, but I love that shot in particular. Yeah, uh, yeah, really interesting design. Like, again, like, uh, it, it looks a little like they shot it in Vasquez Rocks and Captain Kirk was fighting the, the head, right? It was a very Star Trek-y, maybe even Doctor Who design. Uh, but then also, yeah, a little, a little bit of a Gorn head, yeah. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That's the one I was looking for. And then uh, and the arms and, and the, the, the scorpion-like uh, body, scorpion slash snake-like body, very Clash of the Titans, very Harryhausen. Um, and again, I just love that uh, Favreau and Rodriguez and everyone are like, hey, it's Tatooine. There's things in the sand you don't want to run into. Uh, we got yeah. we got the big crat dragon thing going with the Mando. Uh, you know, there's a, a Sarlacc pit down. I mean, come on, and just uh, it, it attract. I thought for a second when it, when he, when uh, the Rodian first finds the hand, I was like, is it is it uh, a rancor? Like I thought we got like a younger rancor or something like that because I couldn't really make out what it was. And uh, uh, yeah, pleasantly surprised by this uh, fell beast emerging from the sand. Yeah, yeah, a new beast. Yeah, a new, a new beast to us, but yeah, an old one to Tatooine. Yeah, which also, by the way, maybe uh, if you let Anakin talk a little bit more about the sand, he might also say stuff like, you don't know what's <laughs> underneath the sand, by the way. <laughs> it gets everywhere, and monsters sleep under it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other action beats for you? Um, I just, uh, that whole uh, sequence, and by the way, you know, uh, do not learn from Turner and Hooch. Do not kill the massive, and they didn't. Uh, that's great. Uh, Grace and I were very worried about the safety of that massive during that fight. Uh, love that. But I just, again, we talked about a lot of what it meant for the themes and everything, but the end, the the, the, the brutal, the, the choking of this monster, but the way it ended, very poignant, just very poignant of, of him choking and, and, and breaking those chains and, and how he earned the, the, the breaking of those chains. What an action moment teaching you about the character. Yeah, and there was really a, you know, he he had a moment earlier when he was escaping where he could have cracked that kid in the skull, right? You know? Yep. Uh, and they work together uh, mm-hmm. to defeat this beast. And, and there is, you know, there's so much respect yep. in, in uh, um, a victory won through respect. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah. And I loved him, uh, you know, letting the, letting the kids celebrate with the severed head and the whole village hearing the story and the <laughs> chief just kind of like, here's your water. I heard, I know the truth. You earned this. Yeah. There's that one moment where, uh, they're kind of, he's kind of posing with it. <laughs> and yes. I was like, for just a second, I was like, do sand people have like scanners? Are they going to take a photo? Is this, are they going to put this on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's chuck it. Just Tuscan Graham. Let's, yeah, a little Tuscan Graham. Uh, from that, then, let's uh, move on to moments of comedy, whimsy, and weirdness. As much as sort of uh, depth and horror is in this episode, I thought there were a lot of funny beats as well. So where do you go? Oh, yeah, funny, comedy, whimsy, weirdness, indeed. A lot of Star Wars weird, beginning with what I'm calling, I don't. I haven't looked up on the Wikipedia, if, I'm not studying for trivia yet. We'll find out the official term if it already, maybe it exists in EU, but I'm calling it the, the honey of the sand carrot. Is the uh, Tuscan Raiders uh, <laughs> drizzling that honey of life from that weird thing? To, oh, oh yeah, oh. yeah. Did you see the Tuscan Raiders uh, squirted <laughs> both of that with a carrot thing? Awesome, yeah, love that. Uh, <laughs> that was great. Uh, a little earlier in, in Boba's torture, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I love that Boba Fett is too weak to fight off the Jawas, and they just uh, clock him in the head. But in particular. The Jawa laughs at him. when they knock Boba Fett out. And I feel like in modern canon, it's particularly in the Mandalorian, I think it is canon that Jawas are little a-holes. 
<laughs> no, this is what I said. Favreau and, and team, but Favreau and Rick Famiglia had a great episode. They're like obsessed with diving into where we're learning so much about the Tuscan culture and learning this new respect. Uh, we are now, it's, it's, it's uh, they're no longer wildlings. They are free folk to us, right? The Game of Thrones transition of, of learning about other uh, people and cultures. And then the other side of the job was like, nah, not jerks. Yeah, just little a holes. Like, how, just it's not enough to rob him and knock him out. Then you laugh at him as you leave. Yeah, they're sitting up on top of their sand crawlers on that uh, patio furniture they all have up there, and they're just laughing at everyone down below. <laughs> just pointing at people. Yeah. Yeah. Yelling, Suka, 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 Suka. All right, where were some other comedy moments for you? Um, Love the, yeah, love the dialogue you mentioned. I did love the, uh, that's weird. I used to work for him. It's you. It's even weirder for him. Uh, yes, I, I love that. Who hasn't experienced that uh, on both sides of the corporate uh, uh, ladder struggle in life? You know, <laughs> your assistant becomes your manager or the other way around. Uh, it's, I uh, love that there. And even and following it up with the, even when a Trandoshan pays you a compliment, it sounds like a threat. Just a very good old school Star Wars joke. Yeah, that is nice and straightforward. Um, I really, I, I can see people being, um, uh, there being discussions and different strong opinions about uh, the major domo of the mayor, Mark Shays, uh, their delivery, which was, but I really thought it was great, the sort of haughty, like, I'm kind of saying words of respect, but I'm doing everything I can to communicate through body language and tone that I have absolutely no respect for you yeah it was really funny to me in particular this is not a funny line on the page it was funny only through delivery uh when he's talking to fennec and says the mayor's heartfelt welcome and regrets that he's been drawn away my lady yeah <laughs> it's just really like you do not deserve mm. uh the respect of this title yeah and 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 uh, loved it so this is a, a couple episodes ago i i said i thought it was david pesquesi uh and it's the only thing i've gotten right in star wars prediction land it is and a uh, great performer <laughs> comes out of second city been around for a while a lot of people might know him from uh uh Veef mo most recently is uh, selena meyer's husband and he's great he's such a great performer and yeah you're right uh because we're used to even though you know uh, vanessa marshall is hera and everything we're used to uh, you know cham syndula and, and used to seeing uh twilight's uh speaking even jennifer bielsen's episode that's great but we, you know major domo bid for tuna they want a wanga like we might be used to that he comes in which is very straight almost like he's in an episode of veep or the office uh, <laughs> so i understand that it might be a little different but there's just there was so much humor and he played it so well i love the exchange tell the mayor i'm here he knows yes he knows. Yes, he, he knows. And he doesn't. That's that's why he didn't come. Yes. And, yeah. and the final line of uh, turning around and going, I would not be surprised if you receive um, another delegation in the near future. <laughs> it really is the art of saying you're nothing and you're going to be done in five minutes. But I didn't say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I understand the presentation might be very modern or of its time or outside of star Wars. I, I can get that, but I, I was on board for it. I think it's a great performer. Yeah. It really worked for me because uh, Boba is learning the ropes and he is so sincere about wanting to rule with respect. And here he is being so blatantly horrifically disrespected yeah. that for me, the, the comedy has meaning. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. It wasn't just funny beats. Absolutely. Uh, the power structure on, on display. Yeah. And we are we already acknowledge this line, but I wrote it down verbatim because I loved it so much. Uh, talking about the Gamorrean guards, their tortured squeals will send a piercing message to all potential challengers to your throne. 
<laughs> I think I like it because it's just it's uh, obviously the, those droids have a history with torture, yeah. but there is also a little something of uh, of three PO right of yeah. it's a little uh, poetic <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To, to get their point across. Yeah, no, I loved it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, what are some more for you? Uh, well, staying with the jump ahead a little bit to uh, stay with the Gamorian guards. I love Garza Flip's line of "Would you like your Gamorians hosed down and fed while we're sequestered?" <laughs> yeah, it's another comedy line that's like, okay, great. It's it's uh, funny and demeaning because they're yeah. they're pig guys, yeah. uh, but it's all it's also meaningful comedy because it really is like there's a hierarchy everywhere, and Gamorians are not treated with respect. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I agree with you, demeaning and, and delivered uh, with that, uh, uh, you know, uh, faux sense of respect. But also, I got to wonder if they're like, oh, man, I'd love a hosing down. Please, thank you. <laughs> right. I mean, the way it's phrased doesn't yeah. feel. It's not. Uh, yeah, no, you, you're, you're right. But yeah, yeah, I just had, I laughed at that line a lot of different ways. Yeah, it isn't like, hey, do you guys, do you guys want to take a shower? It's yeah. like not offering anything to the Gamorreans, right? <laughs> yeah, not asking. While we're that. sequestered. Yeah, uh, absolutely love that. You know, I also really like that. Um, that we see Twi'leks uh, in a lot of the kind of roles that we normally do see Twi'leks in um, mm-hmm. major domos or, uh, you know, especially even this uh, Jennifer Beale's character, Garza Whip of like a real master of words and an intermediary and, yeah. you know, a boss here, but people mm-hmm. over her. Uh, and then we see a lot of the sort of uh, honestly, just sort of a uh, uh, sexy Twi'leks, yeah. but I really liked that there was a topless dude there too. So it was like, look, yeah, yeah. No, nope. <laughs> we have sexy twilights uh, for many gazes. Yes, many gazes. Taking it back. Yeah, no, and that's kind of been the the how uh, the t- because of Ula, it, it emerged that way. But I love that Star Wars has played with that, in, including uh, being forced in some of these uh, pleasure houses around the galaxy. You could dive into those kind of threads if you want. So I I did really respect the uh, uh, here you go, a buff shirtless twilight dude coming in there. <laughs> yeah um another favorite for me from the sanctuary there's so much that was great in there i was so thrilled uh, at max rebo's survival and that the, the uh, at this point i think unidentified bith uh riffing away this song was great um i kind of have a deal with myself on my first viewing that i will not pause that i just mm-hmm. want to let it flow and experience it um and i almost broke my rule to stare at that astromech drummer I had written this down and I'm like, Joseph's a drummer. I know he paid attention to the drummer. So I knew you'd get to that. It's that's amazing. I want, I want that figure. Yeah. My, my skills are extremely rusty, but uh, I, I spent so much time playing drums, uh, uh, reading about symbols so I could save up and and buy the exact kind of Zildjian hi-hat that I wanted. My dad taught me uh, drumming was where I connected to a lot of the ideas of like, oh yeah, if I'm calm and let myself go and use intuition, like the force, that's better when you play the drums. So yeah, long history for me of, of drummers. So I did pause on it today because just on the quick shot, I didn't realize that yeah. <laughs> they've got a hi-hat on their head. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing. It's so great. I love that. It might, might be one of my new favorite things in all of Star Wars, I, Astromech drummer. I, again, I want the story of Max Rebo. He's gone on, he formed a new band. He made some peace with some of the modal nodes. He's got, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have uh, his Zach Starkey on drums, not Ringo. He's got a different band. I love it. <laughs> this is my counterpart. He's programmed for percussion. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. And yeah, we, I look, we got, you know, a good serving astromech droid. I love that. I love that. Oh, yeah. Classic. Yeah. But uh, new category, astromech drummer. 
Yeah, absolutely great. Uh, I know we've seen R2, uh, you know, play the bass, but this was different. Um, <laughs> some other other fun moments for you? Uh, you know what? Uh, oh, I, I talked about I talked about it uh, already, but I do love uh, Boba struggling to communicate along the way, even though he's uh, I describe him as a worldly guy. He's been around, but I just think he hasn't paid a he hasn't needed to pay attention to other people's uh, and species languages, right? Boba's just kind of been going around the galaxy doing his own thing. So I love that he's struggling. I love that he has to kind of learn to communicate, but I do love the exchange with the roadie of, Oh, that you understand, huh? Huh? I got to rip your leg off. You've been playing dumb with me. I get it. Yeah. And I love the turn of phrase. If you kept your snout closed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we got all these uh, different great aliens, you know, harkening back to the mm-hmm. first film with the Aqualish and the Rodians. Like, yeah, they, they don't have... <laughs> <laughs> those are different mouths uh, that's a snout that he uh yeah. he spouted off yeah. on love it love it yeah final one for me is i love when uh when the massive is staring at boba as he's digging <laughs> boba says no hard feelings mate <laughs> yes yes straight from the uh, uh wonderful land of new zealand with that line love that one yeah, absolutely. But it is like, you know, I've been going on about Boba kind of seeing himself in the child, the mm-hmm. warrior, the leader. But there's a little bit also of like the the <laughs> the beaten down, you know, pet. Uh, yeah, that, that uh, they're on the on the same wavelength. They're like, come on, man. I, I didn't I just knocked you out and then petted you. I could have. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I could have done worse. Remember. I, 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 he's definitely, uh, you know, the pet of that uh, Tuscan child. But I would, if, if we get a lot more Tuscan uh, Boba flashback content this season, I, I hope he, he forms a, a better relationship and they actually go out on little missions together because I would love that figure set as well. Oh, I think there's a massive bonding for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Any other comedy moments for you? Uh, no, other than I was just pleased to see that uh, there, there's that, that Star Wars whimsy was very present. Absolutely. Uh, we like to talk about on these live action shows because a lot is made of the different directors. Were there any particular directorial moments that jumped out at you that you really felt like you saw the signature of this director or it really worked for you or anything along those lines? I think being able to to focus in on um, the character during the action and taking the time. Again, I keep saying the room to breathe. That's a lot of that's in the writing, but also how uh, Rodriguez interpreted that script and, and put it up on the screen. And uh, I just think uh, some of his work, you know, from Spy Kids to Desperado El Mariachi, he, he knows how to do that stuff well. And I'm, I'm really just excited to have his stamp on this episode and, and, and the Mando episode as well. And it reminded me a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for me, I just uh, I mentioned it briefly, but I, I love seeing Jabba's Palace, but in particular, the way we did with that sort of moody opening montage. We have an establishing shot, but then we have a shot of like, all of the places. And I love shots like that, that, that invite you to think of like, what is the meaning of this place? What does it mean when it is occupied? What does it mean when it's not occupied? There are great shots like that in Twin Peaks. It's some of the final shots of the original Halloween movie that has just such, such great power of just, you know, you're kind of showing the totality of the place by showing individual images of the place. There's some great shots like that of Camino and Bad Batch as well that just kind of get you to think about being in that space and what does it mean in that great contrast that it's it's empty, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, but it holds such power. And, you know, where is Boba Fett? Where is the, uh, you know, the the man, the person of the castle? Yeah. He's in a bakhtapod having nightmares yeah i thought it was really effective in a, in, a, in a lot of different ways so great choice yeah uh also just really love the the point of view shots of boba being dragged by the tuscans and the banthas that just really mm-hmm. literally uh putting uh putting us in his place uh love the rhythm of that uh that um 
above shot where it's, you know, his head, he's on his back and he's staring up, right? We yeah. see that shot again and again in different ways. And I think that's really effective mm-hmm. uh, to, to track through his journey of uh, trying to get out of weakness back to strength. Final thing for me, because uh, it was new to Star Wars, I love that sort of weird, gritty film effect as he mm. left his Tusken uh, Raider memories and came back to them. That just kind of uh, weird film effect mm. that it contributed not to just like, this isn't just kind of a flashback where Boba is thinking about it. He's got emotions on it. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he's coming in and out of this nightmare. Yeah, we, we, we'd we even kind of joked uh, on a previous uh, episode getting ready for Boba Fett of are they going to have a Wayne's World do 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 they found a very artistic way to do that <laughs> it's a very very artistic do 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 absolutely uh, any other moments uh, no 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 overall great stuff yeah ton of great shots we could be here forever listing shots I like but we want to move on is there anything that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on uh, no 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 uh, I, I put in the section I'm gonna, we, I knew we were going to get to it but I do love learning more about the Tusken Raiders something that's happens from uh, Mando season one which is uh, it's for me always the, as a Star Wars fan there's this kind of inherent uh, tension where you might not even like a particular episode or movie but there's things in it for you to take I don't love that chapter five episode of Mando season one for uh, reasons but I love the Tusken Raider stuff in there and they're just building on that they're continuing to build on that and, and as uh, you know we're fans that grew up in a, in a generation which uh uh, saw them as, uh, you know, uh, sand people, Kenner toys and nothing more. And, and, and like you said, the, the, um, the violent, uh, native of the land and that, and that trope and everything there, uh, definitely of its, of its time, uh, unfortunately there, uh, in, in Star Wars, but, um, love seeing it and love spending more time. Uh, cause I would not, I just never grew up wanting to spend more time with the Tusken Raiders. And now I kind of do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like for me, there's definitely that, uh, you know, you can kind of wonder exactly who they are in original trilogy, but, you know, Attack of the Clones, uh, we got Lars saying like they, they walk like men, but they're, they're beasts. Right. And there isn't a counterpoint. And obviously, you know, whatever is happening with, uh, with Shmi is, is awful. Uh, and then it is awful that Anakin slaughters them. Uh, but I love Attack of the Clones and then that part of it is I, you know, struggle with, and I, I, I don't struggle with it as much anymore because of, getting to see that they have a perspective they have a culture you yeah. know uh, and this took this big step forward of really seeing these different social roles yeah absolutely and, and, and see even even the massive coming back it's a it's a victory for little tactic clones beats there uh, yeah absolutely um i want to be sure to, to talk about the music right I, yep. I i thought the music was phenomenal i thought it was really interesting music themes by ludwig warrenson and score by Joseph Shirley uh, really picking up on some of the great uh, establishing music that was done for Boba Fett in the tragedy episode of Mandalorian. I thought it was phenomenal. I really liked some of the vocalizations. Yeah, yeah. I think that song, the Book of Boba Fett theme, is available on uh, Spotify. I've already been uh, listening to it there. Uh, uh, Love it. Yeah, and and right from the get-go, right? Even when the... Uh, Lucasfilm Disney Plus logo with the the faces comes up now. It, yep. Once the music started playing, I was pulled in for that. And and look, Lu, Lu, uh, no doubt Ludwig is uh, uh, talented. This we <laughs> this we know and have known for a while. But he's absolutely pulled off the impossible along with now Joe Shirley, like you said. Um, they've established a Star Wars TV musical universe, uh, and not erasing the John Williams effect, building on the legacy, but doing their own thing, old and new, like we always talk about. And and you love that conversation, in Star Wars. They're they're absolutely doing it. Uh, um, similar event, Mando vibes. And I love that about these, uh, episodes and, uh, uh, just, uh, yeah, tip of the cap, uh, well-deserved. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the theme doing heavy work of those moments where Boba Fett is triumphant and that music is coming and it's making you feel it. And like, yeah, this is, this is a yeah. moment of triumph for Boba. It's awesome. Absolutely. So as we wrap up here, any predictions or hopes for next week? And uh, we will tag this also with uh, a spoiler warning. Uh, we heard from a couple of listeners who are not watching any of the uh, teasers or commercials. Uh, as we talk about predictions or hopes for next week, there's obviously some scenes in those that we haven't seen yet. So if you don't want to hear any discussion, uh, now is probably a good uh, time to, to tap out for a few minutes. Tap out indeed. Uh, my, my hopes are that uh, we really do start to ramp up the conflict as uh, other uh, people pour in. Uh, um, I, I'm really intrigued by that, this idea of, again, this question of, uh, cool, you want to do something different with your position of power, but that ain't going to go well. And I want to see what it does to Boba Fett. And I want to start that journey uh, pretty fast. And, uh, and, and, and we already have. Um, uh, and I, I don't mind, and I want to get your thoughts on this, uh, you know, flashbacks or going back in time, you know, it, it, it could be a, a storytelling device that doesn't work sometimes. I thought it was really effective in Mandalorian. I really like it here. And I kind of want two uh, storylines, if you know what I mean, in each episode. Uh, I, I kind of agree. I think we're looking at a little bit of a um, lost isn't exactly the the perfect one to one example, mm -hmm. um, but it is, you know, is, is a, a story um, arrow. The, the CW arrow show is constructed like that for the vast majority of its seasons. Uh, we're kind of telling uh, memories of the past that inform the present. I kind of feel like with the tempo of this show and the scale that this first episode set that the Tuscan story is going to play out for a while. Yeah. I mean, I just straight up hope so. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I just straight up hope so. They did it. It, it was more than just a a flashback. We make our Wayne, Wayne's World jokes, but it was more than that. It, it was these dreams and effectual use. Uh, I really loved it. And I'm and, and again, I'm in kind of invested in that storyline just as much as I'm invested with the quote unquote present day. Yeah, I feel like I'm. We're starting to not know them super well, but these are defined characters within that Tuscan group. And what is that bond? And I feel like uh, I don't. I guess I'm kind of expecting now and hopeful that this isn't a matter of like, okay, come on, uh, when are you going to wrap up the Tuscan story? And when is he going to go after his armor like he did in the Mandalorian? Uh, I feel like what the story is, and I might be entirely wrong, but I feel like the story is he's going to learn lessons of respect and community and how to approach violence from this experience with the Tuscans. And he's going to apply that to the present. So I feel like there's room, there's a lot of time for him to mm -hmm. go through an emotional journey to learn and change based on his experience with the Tuscans. Yeah. Cause again, it, it's this idea of uh, Boba Fett gets out of the Sarlacc. We've been waiting for that, but that's just such the beginning of that time frame, and to connect it to what we do see in Mando of, of, of the big questions of wait, wait a minute. Why was he, he didn't go after Cobb Van that all those things we should have questions about um, and, and to answer the why of that. And I want to spend time in that. Yeah, and we see him taking some more action. Uh, this is a spoiler if you haven't watched any of the teasers. We do see him taking more action in his uh, tragic <laughs> fitted yeah, onesie. Yeah, we do, yeah. Uh, and so the actual, like, you know, it, it has occurred to me, is is he acting on himself or is he is he becoming a member of the community with the Tuscan Raiders in those actions? Yeah. Is an intriguing possibility. Yep. Um, I also think that I would definitely love to see uh, Boba Fett uh, get off the planet. Um, I know we have some shots of the, the, the ship in, in flight. Um, who knows if he's making a local hop or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm also feeling like this conflict 
with the mayor and just locking down this level, uh, this little slice of the pie absolutely could be the the whole show. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Just based on the pacing, uh, I believe seven episodes, so six mm-hmm. episodes left. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a possibility that this is just him, like maybe the conflict with the mayor and mm-hmm. if that is the main person and whatever the Nick Toad gang represents, all that stuff could be, mm-hmm. that's the conflict of this show. I could get behind that in the idea of uh, maybe, you know, down the line you come back with the reign of Boba Fett. Uh, good. I don't know. If he even survives this uh, this show, I, I'm not, I don't know why I've, I've mentioned that twice. Uh, I don't know why I'm obsessed with the idea of Boba Fett dying. I'm not. I'm rooting for him. But just to see what happens uh, here in this journey. But yeah, that, that's, uh, I, I could see that. I can get on board with that. Yeah, I thought a really interesting thing is they are using a real world, real world word uh, to describe his position, his level of the of the Japanese word uh, daimyo. I uh, hope I'm saying that uh, correctly. Um, and I looked that actual word up. I, you know, I love when Star Wars pulls in real worlds like mm-hmm. real words like Praetorian, right? And yeah. then they fit into this uh, space fantasy. But the meaning in the real world. Uh, is, you know, one of the great lords who were vassals of the Shogun. And Wikipedia says uh, daimyo were powerful Japanese magnates, feudal lords uh, who uh, ruled most of Japan uh, from their vast hereditary land holdings. They were subordinate to the Shogun and nominally to the emperor and the Kuj. Um, So if that word is being used in the same context of real world, this isn't Boba Fett going, hey, this is my crime empire. This is like, I'm... Inserting myself on this rung of the ladder. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. If that word is being used in the same way, that's really telling and interesting to me. Almost as if there's a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, like a little bit of service built into that title of power. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's not like he's like, the, I am the only, I'm the one and only, I call the shots. It's like, mm-hmm. I am taking over this territory, but I still got somebody above me to answer to once I successfully do that. Yeah. And that person is Carson Teva. No? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Carson Teva and Cad Bane are working together. (laughs) And Boba Fett's going to have to pay tribute. Our wild, wild prediction. All right. Any other thoughts or hopes for the next episode? The Uh, uh, next bit of the show? No, other than, man, I can't wait for uh, next week. Yeah, me too. So we mentioned as we went along what kind of action figures we need out of this show, but uh, we always like to close with the fun question of what toys or merch or anything inspired uh, by this episode would you like? I do. Yeah, I've mentioned a lot of the the Tuscan figures I'd like, Astromech drummer, but all right, let's do let's do a Hot Toys sideshow, uh, one six scale uh, leisure suit jumpsuit Boba Fett with scars. <laughs> absolutely i want that uh i i really do uh want a uh the max rebo band set to get that uh just like i had when i was a kid but now it comes with an astromech drummer oh oh, this be still my heart i want that so much uh i would also like as merch um a boctopod not a toy but an exact replica yeah, <laughs> of yeah. Boba's with actual Bakta technology. I mean, it, he he's having a rough time in there. He's working through some feelings, but it also looks like, ah, man, I would like to be in a Bakta pod. <laughs> no, not for me. I don't even take baths. So, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you, you enjoy yourself in there. I'll wake you up when the meeting starts. Yeah, it, and this is one that I don't think uh, I'm going to purchase, but I, I think uh, somebody is probably going to gift to you, Ken, is the uh, the Lego set of the inside of the Sarlacc. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we definitely need that. Yeah. 
in interior Sarlacc belly Lego set, including the fed on stormtrooper. Exactly. <laughs> With the breathing tube and everything. Uh, I get the, at the rate that they, uh, they often use the uh, trooper molds that they already have. I'm sure one of the first action figures we'll get from this episode is <laughs> yeah. deceased stormtrooper in Sarlacc belly. <laughs> With Sarlacc goo. All right. Any other thoughts as we wrap up? Uh, no, man. What a fun journey. I, I hope a lot of you along for the ride. And and don't be afraid. Uh, don't be afraid to engage with it and find out where you are without it. And and, and uh, initial viewings might not uh, be, um, uh, uh, you know, exactly what you want. You might feel a little underwhelmed. That's okay. And maybe at the end of the day, you, you don't connect with the show as much as you wanted to. That's fine, too. But uh, we here at Force Center love diving into the themes and, and hope you... Uh, find a find a path to connect to this show yeah you know i would really second that and i think it is just great to to give things a chance because it's i i so understand as a fan you can have like so many hopes and dreams and expectations and sometimes those can really cloud just looking at what is on the screen and enjoy it and you know for me i, I am a fan of a mysterious unstoppable badass boba fett i'm a fan of a tortured orphan boba fett i love that they're playing with both I cheered so much in the tragedy when he was just a, a machine of violence. I love those knee darts. And I do, I want to see those moments for Boba Fett. But what I'm really enjoying about this show is I think they're making him earn it of letting him be the underdog and having him uh, fight back to not just former glory, but some form of new glory. And that's really cool for me to, to root for the underdog Boba Fett. I'm right there with you, rooting for him. Uh, again, I'm a Han Solo guy. I forgived, forgave Boba Fett two seconds into this episode. <laughs> Boba Fett forgiven. That could have been the alternate title to the first episode. Uh, Ken, do you want to let know, people know where they can find us? Absolutely. We are the Force Center podcast, uh, a feed of Star Wars shows, if relatively new. Uh, thank you for joining us and listening to us today. You can be, uh, we can find, uh, you can find us on Twitter, I should say, at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well, where episodes are uh broadcast there in audio form uh we are on facebook at force center podcast uh you can get audiobook on us if you want by going to audibletrial.com slash force center uh merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center and uh you can find the podcast in a lot of different spots we are now housed on Acast, and more spots coming soon soundcloud on the way soon don't you worry about that you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center from there you can get access to our discord which is private to our patreon supporters and it, enjoy discussing star wars with uh, Force Center fans and listeners and friends uh, that even when uh, they don't love everything, they discuss it in a way that uh, hopefully, hopefully invites all perspectives uh, at the Star Wars discussion table. Uh, and you can follow me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, KenNapsock.com. For you, Joseph, where can they go? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. I will be sharing uh, more of my action figures, which I love so very much. I like sharing them on social media as well as other comedy thoughts. Uh, you can also find all of my other adventures on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for an astromech droid that has a hi-hat on their head, <laughs> this has been the Book of Boba Fett Report. Thank you. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.